Blog Talk Radio. Kane is in the building. Hollywood cold, I'm with Molly G, bro, flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows, and I want to tell you something that you probably should know, this that slumdog millionaire Bollywood flowing up, my real friends never hearing from me, fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me, that's why I pick and choose, I don't get you confused, I got a small circle, I'm not with different crews, we walk the same path. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. It is Tuesday afternoon. It's 6 o'clock. That means it's time for an all-new Southern Sports Central. I'm Richie Young alongside. No, well, the coaches join me here. Eugene Benton for a three-solid-hour show coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina. That's right. We're here at the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios where we're getting everything in order, and it's going to be a very good three hours, guys. We've uh, gotten a great group of uh, men together here as uh, we're going to talk to each one of these incredible individuals about their, uh, well, their side and their angle and their course direction on everything that's going on in today's world. And I mean, of course, everybody knows about, you know, what we're going through right now. Of course, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of, of course, uh, I would say uh, protests, rallies, gatherings, and uh, a few other things that are going on here um, in honor of, of a young man that lost his life last week. And uh, without further ado, I am going to bring in my other half here, Eugene Benton. Uh, Eugene, of course, uh, you know, this list that we have here tonight is, is very solid. And actually, Coach Smitty is going to be joining us here in just a minute. Of course, uh, he's an athletic director. He is a football coach over at C.E. Murray. And uh, he's going to chime in here with us through some of this as well. But the show is loaded here tonight. Again, uh, Reginald Walker, as always, will join us at 630. He played for Joe Paul over there at the legendary program uh, with uh, Penn State. Then at 7 o'clock, Everett Sands. Now, he's coached all around the state, all around the country. He played his college ball at the Citadel. He played his high school ball at Conway High School. He is uh, with the West Foundation and, again, a former all-around football player, but a stand-up all-around individual. He'll join us at 7 o'clock. Then at 7.30, this is a good one. How about this? Harry the Blake, uh, Harry the Snake Blake is going to join us. He's a former Somerville and by God, West Virginia football player and track star. Now, he was one of the first African-American athletes at Somerville. All right, that's a big deal here, of course, uh, uh, as everybody knows what we're going through right now. But he's going to kind of talk to us about a lot of things. Now, not only is he, you know, a guy who's done so many great things on a football field and on a track, he's also set bars and uh, some incredible things here in the community. He was a longtime uh, a, a man on a mission when it came to his own business over there at Allstate. He had his own office right over there off of uh, in, in Somerville. And uh, Charlie Road was his destination. He did it so long that he was able to retire, grow up uh, a family here in Somerville. And uh, these girls have done some incredible things. And he's got grandchildren doing incredible things. Uh, but we're going to talk to uh, Mr. Blake uh, about his path. And maybe how about a book that he's in the middle of uh, putting together? Hopefully we can get that thing published 
and uh, he's played for some legendary guys. Imagine what it would be like to play for that legendary coach, John McKissick, during the era that he played, and then get recruited and sign and go to West Virginia where Bobby Bowden was the head coach. Remember, before Bobby got to Florida State, he was at West Virginia, and then Bobby took off and, well, Harry said, I'm going to stay tight. I'm going to hang out here. So that relationship is still as strong as it's ever been. Uh, he's also really close to uh, that coach over there at Alabama, Nick Saban. But we'll talk to uh, Mr. Blake here at 7.30. Then at 8 o'clock, Ken Brown checks in with us on the high school blitz. Uh, got a lot to talk to him about, of course, everything going on with recruiting. Uh, but, again, a lot of the conversation tonight, guys, is going to be about what's going on uh, from the weekend, of course, and even in here to today uh, as we put a incredible – uh, guest list together that we, of course, are going to give them the floor. We're going to ask a few questions. And uh, if you would like to call in, voice your opinion on everything that's going on, we would love to hear from you, okay? The only thing I ask is let's be respectful, okay? Let's keep the, the language to where it needs to be. We understand this is a an emotional situation. I'm not happy about it. Trust me. Uh, this is something that, um, you know, should never be tolerated. This is something that we never should be conversation. This is not something that you know, these, these protests and these individuals and, and these rallies have been going on for 60-plus years. You know, by now, it, it should have well been taken care of, all right? But we're going to get into this conversation here throughout tonight's show, three solid hours, all right? And the reason I'm doing this is because I have a platform. I have an opportunity, and uh, this gives a lot of individuals in the community around the country an opportunity to have a voice. And with that being said, you can call in. We'll give you a voice. We'll give you an opportunity to speak up, speak out, and uh, – have some conversation with us tonight. And it is, uh, you know, it's all related in sports. You know, everything we do uh, is somehow is tied to the world of sports, and this definitely is one of those. But you can call in right now, 327-84-9681 is the number to call in. Eugene, I'm going to bring you in first before I get Coach Schmitty in here from Manning, South Carolina. Uh, Eugene, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going great, Rich. And, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know about uh, going ahead of Coach Schmitty, man. Um but I guess you, what you're doing is you're just building us up. So, so you start out with a mid-level guy like me and bring in a, a 10-star recruit like Coach Smitty. But, uh, you know, I'm, when we were talking about the, the guest earlier, it's just one thing that's, in, that's common amongst all these guys that are going to hear, in, including Coach Smitty. I know he wasn't on the list earlier, but coming on is that they're all molder of men. And that's be, you know, starting out with Brett, he's a former athlete. You know, he, he did great things at a great institution under a great coach. And, and, and now look what he's doing in, in the media. And he does nothing but try to help promote guys. You know, he tries to give them advice on their social media, this, that, the other, how to achieve their dreams, get to the next level. Coach Sands comes in. He's coached at the Citadel. He's coached at South Carolina. and coached, at, I think, uh, in Arkansas at, at, over at uh, Coastal. Nothing but, you know – trying to produce guys, trying to give guys the best shot, just molding and shaping these men. And I'll go back to Coach Smitty because I've seen his social media posts and things like that, you know, of all the kids he's taken to colleges, just trying to get them their next step, trying to trying to turn these uh, young men into adult men and, and to prepare them and help them reach their dreams. You know, and we talk about uh, Mr. Blake and everything he's accomplished. My gosh, we could probably do one of those whole hour-long segments with him. You know, I'm, I'm so – Curious because there's so many angles you could go with him with all the the barriers and walls that he broke down, uh, whether it be in business or in sports. And uh, so that's pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, we come back to Mr. Ken Brown and and all he does for 
athletes throughout the state and, and you know he has such big dreams of even doing more and every time we get him on the show he just is like you know guys I just want to do more I just want to do more I want to get this bigger I want to build up their recruiting bases I want to get these young men promoted I want to get them out there get them in schools get them on scholarships and then we end up with uh, someone who's real close and dear to me and that's Quinn and uh, Quinn was someone who is a molder of men and young women with uh, with uh, his children and gotten um, to be very close with uh, one of them. I've actually known Quinn for about 12 years and uh, got real close to his uh, his son who just graduated yesterday. And uh, again, you know, he also has another an older son that's a basketball player, and then another one that he and his uh, his lady are expecting a child very soon. He's just you know, you just see so much family time with Quinn and, and his lovely wife and their children, and they just do so many things for, for their family. And just, you know, it's just it's great to see that. And uh, like I said, these guests will bring uh, different backgrounds, uh, different achievements in life, but all, all the same, and they're just great, wonderful people that just do so much to help others. They just love on everybody. And uh, like I said, I'm just really excited to get this going with Coach Smitty. So uh, I'll step my uh, – two-star butt aside and let his five-star butt come on in here. <laughs> well, before we bring him in here, of course, this segment and uh, the rest of the segments here going forward for the next three hours, this is going uh, to be a very heavy show, and it's going to be a heavy-hearted show. There's going to be a lot of conversations here uh, throughout tonight, and we do want to welcome everybody in who may be listening for the first time to Southern Sports Central. The thing that I like to do is I stayed on this uh, on Sunday, I started praying about this, actually Saturday, about how I was going to uh, utilize the platform that God has given me here at Southern Sports Central to give this uh, situation a voice. And again, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're speaking about a loss of life, at a, uh, you know, with George Floyd, who the way it all happened, I mean, there's, there's nothing about this that, that sits good with me. I just want everybody to understand that. And when I created Southern Sports Central, no, this is not a politics show. No, this is not this show or that show. This is a show that, that we do talk about sports, but we also talk about life. And, and this is something that is affecting everyone's life. As you can see on your TVs, you can hear on your radios, you can drive down your streets. And uh, the guest list that we put together, and Coach Smitty uh, sent me a message that I'd love to be a part of tonight. I said, well, come on in and hang out. So with that, I'll go ahead and bring in the coach all the way from Manning, South Carolina, from C.E. Murray. The one and only Coach Smitty. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? We're good, man. Got a loaded show, and we get to start off with you. So, it, you know, we're, we're excited about the opportunity to educate right. some folks and uh, to have some good, solid conversation that I think needs to be said. Right. And I know you got a star-studded show ahead of me, so I'm not going to hold you guys up too long as, as those guys are have a whole lot more um, important um, perspective on, on everything going on today than, than I could ever offer, even, even though I'm, you know, I, 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 do, I, th- I think I do have a lot to offer since I do coach at a um, African-American school, an all-black school for that matter. Uh, I have coached there six years. I've coached at Scott's Branch, a, a historical all-black school in our state that we often forget started desegregation through Briggs versus Elliott. And um, uh, Topeka Board um, picked it up after Briggs versus Elliott, um, the whole desegregation and the reason that we're here. Um, And people, you know, and we always forget and we always see our black athletes as athletes and and we don't realize what they go through each day. And we we don't 
hear these stories each day that we should be hearing, and we're not listening. As a, as a culture in general, we're not listening. And I've said it many a times in the past couple months where I pleaded with people to listen. Listen. This isn't right. going on in our country is not right, and no one wanted to listen. And they kept poking and kept poking and kept poking. And and it, it wasn't right, but we got to – we got to have an honest conversation, a conversation about history, a conversation about systemic oppression, which does go on, uh, a conversation about Abbeville versus the state of South Carolina. Because back in 2014, the court of our Supreme Court ruled three to two in favor of Abbeville and these other, and they call them, they give it a great name, poor and rural school districts. And, again, that's part of the oppression and the systemic stuff we got to change because it's not foreign rural schools, let's be honest. It's black schools. And, and that's not right because what happened is they ruled in favor of these black schools to be paid the money they're supposed to be paid, and we never got the money. And then in 2017, they changed one judge and they vacated paying out what they were due to pay out, which could have helped some of this. Because, again, it's a systemic thing that we're dealing with. This isn't just George Floyd. We saw two months ago Ahmaud Arbery hunted down in the middle of a street by two white men who were trying to create some type of vigilante justice. And all I could do when I saw that is cry. I imagine one of my players being hunted down. Crazy nuts. That's what they are. We gotta we gotta start realizing that it's not just George Floyd. This happens every single day. It's not something that doesn't happen often. This isn't a rare case. We got to start having honest conversations. My players deal with it every day. Their parents fear for their lives every day. And it's not right. And I'm so emotional about it because I can't I can't fix it. And it hurts my heart. Stand with them. And I stand with guys like Sean Wright at Cross. Reggie Kennedy at Manning, Greg Wright at Timberland, Deion Jackson right there in Berkeley County. Because no matter how much they do, no matter how much they achieve, they leave their house every day, whether they tell you or not, because I hear these conversations, whether they tell you or not, they fear for their life every day in this country. So when people say, why don't, why, why don't they love our country anymore? Because our country hasn't loved them for so long. And we show it. And we keep poking them. And we keep expecting them to take it. And it can't happen anymore. It can't. We've got to have an honest conversation. You thought this would have been over. February 8th, 1968. Orangeburg Massacre. Peaceful protesters were gunned down in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And here we are, 2020. 
just yesterday. I'm a Catholic. It broke my heart to see people in Washington, D.C., who were peacefully protesting at the time, to be tear gassed, for clergy people to be pushed down and tear gassed when they were just handing out water for a guy to take a photo. We've got to stand up for what's right. And this isn't right. I don't know what else to tell people. My heart, it hurts my soul. And I want to help fix it any way I can. Any way I can. And I, I it just, we got to have those conversations. And we're not. We got too many people who won't listen. They won't believe it. They'll say it's fake news. They'll throw out all these incendiary terms like we've heard the past couple of weeks. They're just a bunch of thugs. They're just this. They're just that. And all that's doing is adding more fuel and more anger and more pain and digging the knife in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper instead of saying, let's all come together, please. Let's find out how we stop, stop this systemic depression is what's going on because my guys don't have the same stuff that kids have in other areas and it's been going on too long there's no reason that Abbeville versus South Carolina got overturned except for racism because anybody who has been to my school has been to any of those schools in the corridor of shame and then they go to these other schools that look like palaces They cannot say they're getting a minimally adequate education. It's not happening. And we have to ask ourselves why. Why is that not happening? And until we do, until we start listening, until we start having more of these conversations, I fear for us. Well, we're live right now with Coach Schmitty. Of course, uh, you know, he's a regular here on the show. He's a huge contributor, but he's also a coach. He's an athletic director. He's in these young men's lives daily. He picks them up. He carries them home. He takes them to school. He takes them wherever they need to go. And that's something a coach may not always – you don't see that side of them. the personalities that they have with their players. I had multiple conversations just yesterday with multiple coaches asking me questions on how to handle certain things. What would they think? What would they say? And how would I respond? And, and, and things like this. It's a tough conversation, but it's a real conversation. And the one thing that sports has always done is it's always brought us back together. And why not? Why not do it again? Let's show the rest of the world what a true athlete, what a true brother, what a true sister is all about. Because when we go into battle on a football field, a baseball field, a court, or wherever it is that you go to battle with that brother and sister beside you, no matter what color of their skin, you can't just love them during the season. You got to love them all the time. And that's something that we talk about a lot of times here on the show. I won't tolerate, uh, you know, anything else. But And you hear the, the quivering in, in Coach Smitty's voice, and it touches my heart where I have to mute my mic because – you hear this is a coach who's in a, who, who's in a community who, quite frankly, the community has embraced him. They love on him. You hear it in his voice how he loves on them, the entire, entire community of Manning, South Carolina. 
Coach Manny, I want to thank you for what you do for that community. I want to thank you for the, the thoughts and all the prayers that you continue to send out to so many. But I know that you're very vocal on social media because you lead with your yeah. heart. And, and I tell you all the time, you know, while it may end up getting you broke, it, it, it will definitely pay off in the long run in here at the end. And, and, and I want to say, again, thank you for all that you've done for not only the community of Manning, South Carolina, but all those you've come in contact with from your days of playing in high school to your days at the Dell, playing at the Citadel, and all the coaching stops you've had in between now and then, Coach. Yes, sir. Again, we appreciate it. And uh, the Greeleyville community appreciates y'all show. The Trial Blakely Salters community appreciates your show. The Manning community appreciates your show. And, again, you know, I just – I plead with everybody to, you know, have honest conversation with yourself, uh, honest conversation with everybody around you, and put political ideology aside. Put it aside and talk about humanity. And my sure said it best. He's, te- he's taught at C. Murray 48 years. And he said, Coach, everybody's got it wrong. It's not but one race in this world. We only have one race in this world. And it's called the human race. And people need humanity. And he's exactly right. And that and that's what it's about. It's about the human race and humanity all being one. And we gotta start practicing that. Because we haven't been hours just giving out story after story after story after story of Trauma and damage and irresponsibleness of people towards our children that I teach, that I consider my sons, my daughters, and it happens every day, and it's got to stop, and we got to police our own. I'm white. You're white. Eugene. We got to police our own. We got to start saying, hey, cut it out. That's not right. Cut it out. And I've been trying to do that. But I'm hoping and praying more will join that fight because there's too much of it going on. And it's not just George Floyd. But I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I love all listeners, as you know. I love humanity. I want humanity to be the case. I want the human race. That's what it's about. Well, Coach, we greatly appreciate your time here today and every day. And, again, for you fighting the good fight, for you stepping up for what's right. And uh, that's why this show today is what it is today. It takes something very big to move me away from the world of sports. And it takes something big for me to trust in God. As I prayed before I got on this radio show today, that he would give me the knowledge that he would give me the direction and that I would trust him throughout the next three hours. And again, uh, as soon as that all kind of put, took place throughout my day to day and right before I got on the show, you reached out to me and uh, I know your heart's in the right place and you're right. You know, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with Eugene. It starts with one person. One person makes one difference then it's worth it. Be the difference. Right. And nothing goes on quiet ears. You cannot move in silence. 
you said something that resonated to me, and I'm going to kind of let you go with this one, is that you can't poke somebody, but so many times before they get off the porch, they come downtown and they do what they do. That's just the way it works. When you send for somebody, they're going to come. I tell my yeah. children this every day. My boys, I tell my sons this every day. Boy, if you send for me, I promise you, you're going to get me. And at the end of the day, you can't poke somebody but so many times. You can't bother somebody but so many times. You can't go after somebody but so many times. And I feel for these young men and women. I feel for these, these individuals who feel like they're treated differently. You know, growing up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, I thank God. Because we lived together, we worked together, we coexisted together. Racism in my town, in Myrtle Beach, while you may see that when you visit there, understand you need to know the difference between a tourist and a local. The locals don't see it. And if they do see it, I understand, I understand that conversation. But in all of my life, and you guys who individually know me, you know me. Right. And you know how I move. You know how I date. You know how I'm a deacon. And I'm the only white guy in the church where I'm a deacon at. And I take a lot of pride in that. And I don't do it on Sundays. I do it Monday through Sunday. And I'm going to tell you this. You know, if you ever need a little refresher tonight before you go to sleep after 9 o'clock and you listen to this incredible guest list that started off with Coach Smitty and it's going to end sometime later on around 8.30, we may have a surprise guest jump on as well. Maybe it's two. Watch the movie to remember the Titans. Remember the piece when the man, when, 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 when one gentleman's in the hospital, his brother shows up, and the lady says, uh, only family. And the right. guy in the bed finally looks at him and says, that's my brother. Can't you tell? We all can learn from the youth. Isn't this crazy? And I'm going to share this with you one time. And, and again, when, when you start to kind of put things in perspective, because it's interesting to me. It's very interesting to me that we're supposed to teach our children so much. But at the end of the day, isn't it funny that our children seem to teach us more than we've ever taught them? And it happens on a regular, and I mean a regular basis and uh, at a huge rapid pace. As uh, this young man, Keegan Williams, who was the leading rusher in the Charleston area, one of the top rushers in the, in yeah. the, uh, awesome in the low player. country. Awesome player. He has a picture of him and his teammates. It's the 2019 Oceanside Landsharks. In his tweet, Keegan says, 100 different backgrounds, different stories, races, all coming together for one goal. But the black heart, unity, and a fist bump with about five different emojis. If an 18-year-old, 17-year-old young man can say something like this, can mean something like this, why aren't we doing this in our 40s and our 50s and our 60s? And I'm talking before and after all of that. Now, again, Coach, I, I thank you for your time. I thank you for not only the time on the air, what you do in your community, delivering meals on wheels, to doing what you do on a day-to-day basis, whether it's taking young men to get their hair cut, to do whatever you got to do. I know your heart is full, and it runneth over on a regular basis. And for that, I said thank you. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Eugene, I know you feel the same, and uh, we look forward to getting you back in here maybe towards the end of the week. Thanks, guys, and I, I look forward to listening to these – stars coming after me because I know I can always learn as well and I know they're going to teach us a lot Um, especially you know coach Sands coached me graduated from the Citadel Um, I think highly of him and and, um, I know the rest of the cast you got coming in 
I, I believe we're going to learn learn a lot tonight, and, and I thank you. And thank you again for the kind words as we're wrapping up here with Coach Smitty from C.E. Murray. He's over there in Manning, South Carolina. He's the athletic director and the football coach. He wears multiple hats over there uh, with his group of individuals. And I'm going to be honest with you, man, the passion in his voice right there alone had me kind of quivering here uh, as I'm in the studio. And, again, it's very touching because it's very close. And, um, again, you know, the best advice I give someone when you're dealing with a situation, be yourself. It's the easiest thing to be. It's so hard to be someone else. But when you're yourself, trust me, the reward is a lot greater. We are here, you know, remembering so many that were taking out um, out of hate. And I tweeted out this on Saturday. How can someone in this world have so much hate in their heart to take another man or woman's life? You know, we talk about George Floyd in an awful situation. I've seen the picture there with uh, his wife and his kids. And, and, and you see that kid who will never know his father. You will, he will never know his father. You see, of course, Ahmaud Aubrey, who was, 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 was gunned down. I mean, he was hunted down, literally. And I don't want to hear any stories about his past, neither one of them. I could care less about where their police records were. I could care less about any of that. Because last time I checked, as we go to break, I have yet to have Jesus Christ on my show. Now, he's welcomed. And unfortunately, this five-star list will have to go to the side because he becomes an automatic on-air guy. But until then, I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not going to be quiet any longer. We're going to use this platform when need be for the right reasons, and that is to not silence, but yet speak out. And we're going to get some educating here going forward as we uh, take a quick break. Coming up next, Reginald Walker going to come in from Charlotte, North Carolina. They've got a lot going on there. Of course, he works at a uh, TV station, and uh, he's been very busy with a lot of the protests, a lot of the things that are going on in Charlotte. We'll get an update from him there. Of course, he played his college days under Joe Pop. So uh, we'll kind of hear what he had to say as well, guys. A short break once he jumps in. If he jumps in before the end of the song, we'll come back to it. But, uh, again, you want to call in. You want to check in. Uh, Again, just let's be respectful at the end of the day. And and I'll give you as much time to talk as you need to talk tonight at 323-784-9681. Remember, these coaches, they were players, most of them. They're father figures to so many. They're mothers to so many because we have female coaches and athletic directors. You know that. So, again, uh, you know, uh, it's a lot closer to home than we think it is, guys. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on southernsportscentral.com. Guys, don't go anywhere. Everybody knows you came with him, but another girl caught his eye. Sitting there all alone watching them dance by And I know you're wondering what you'll do If he doesn't come back to you But don't worry, I'll take you home So little girl, don't you be blue Now I know that you wore that pretty red dress Just for him to see Tell you that red dress looks good to me. Oh, I know you feel like you wanna die, but try pretending that I'm your guy. And don't worry, I'll take you home. So, little girl, now don't you cry. 
you know, because of the show today, we had to put some information out, but that was about all I did. Um, you know, I would have liked to, um, I would have liked to participate in the, in, in the blackout social media, but unfortunately to get information out for today's show made it hard. Uh, but, but I'm going to give you the floor, Reginald. I, I want you to kind of talk about the situation from your point of view, from what you're seeing there in Charlotte. And, uh, you, you know, maybe, yeah, you break down a few solutions, a few answers. Give us some advice, man. What do we got to do? What do we need to do as a as a society, as a as a human race, uh, to get this thing going in the right direction? Well, I, I, let me say this, and 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 forgive me because I'm going to make a few points here and get a little long winded. This is Southern Sports Central. This is not my show, but I'm going to get a little long winded here. And I think there's a few things um, that have to kind of get figured out up front because there seems to still be some questions. Uh, first and foremost, and you mentioned. Um, you know, uh, Mr. George Floyd and, and, and brother Ahmed Arbery and, and Brianna Taylor as well in Louisville, uh, her situation mm-hmm. as well is another one. But I think this is the thing that a lot of people are not aware of and they're not processing. First and foremost, every time something like this happens, and we can continue the names, right, all the way back to Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and, uh, uh, you know, so many different names if you go back. And what happens, and I think what a lot of people are not understanding is when these things happen for a, someone like myself as a black man in America, it triggers moments in my life and situations that I've gone through that could have ended with my fate being that the same of George Floyd, with my life being that being ended much in the same way as someone like Tamir Rice or Trayvon Martin. That's the first thing I think that a lot of people are missing. These are triggers um, that put you back in those tough moments that you've dealt with in your life. So that's one of the first points um, that I kind of want to make because I don't know that a lot of people really understand what's happening there. Then the second piece of this, a lot of the people that are being destructive, a lot of them are just being destructive to make the movement look bad. There are some people that, supposedly have the right intentions, but are still doing wrong. I'm not suggesting, I'm not absolving every person of color from, and and saying that they're not taking part in being destructive in certain parts of the country. That's not what I'm saying. Um, But with that being said, I'll say it this way. I'll never tell anybody how they should feel and what their emotions should do because I'm not that person. So with that being said, if you think about our lives and you think about every walk of your life, right? Think about your personal life right now. And I mean, it's for everybody listening. You can say something to someone they don't hear. You can say it again. They don't listen. You can say it a third time. They're not processing. And then all of a sudden you yell and they go, whoa, why are you yelling? Okay, I'll do it right now. This is some people's version of yelling because they've been saying it for 15, 20, 50 400 years in some cases, and no one has listened. So now all of a sudden they're screaming it at the top of their lungs. That's where a lot of this is coming from. So those are two of the things I would tell people to understand right away is that these are triggers uh, for people in their lives that have gone through uh, these very scary moments in dealing with whether it's law enforcement or just straight up discrimination in the workplace or in an academic environment as well, all of these things are triggers. And then the second thing is when you don't feel like you're being heard, you start to scream louder. 
And so if people don't understand, to me, those two fundamental things, they will never understand the hurt, the pain, the anger, the frustration that people of color have dealt with in this country for a long time. So those are the first two things that I would kind of put out there to you. We're live right now, of course, on Southern Sports Central with the one and only as a 6.30 Tuesday segment, always guaranteed. Reginald Walker joins us uh, again, who played for Joe Pye. He played at Penn State, as he always signs off with we are. And, of course, uh, you, you start to kind of put everything uh, together, what he just said. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, first of all, for the next well, however minutes you're with me, it's your show, brother. I'm just sitting back listening to it and, and, and writing these notes down because people need to hear silence is enough. We, we've done enough of the whole turn and cheek. We've done enough. And I, I think you brought up a solid point it, it, is that when mom and dad tell you to do something and, and you, you know, they sooner or later, they got to start yelling at you to do it. Well, well, there you go. Got your attention. Didn't we? And you're right. This is a way of getting everybody's attention. So let me put another thing to rest. And I'm going to tie this into sports with each one of our guests, because this is connected because I can promise you there were some individuals out there running around and, 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 of course, you know, going through the emotions of, of how can this continue to happen. These are young athletes, okay? They're out there with their brothers and their sisters. And, and, and do not sit here and tell me, if you looked at Charleston on, on Saturday night, it wasn't just African Americans out there. Everybody was well represented throughout that entire situation Saturday night. I watched enough Facebook Live to see thousands of different videos and thousands of different color faces. Do not isolate. Do not sit here and, and individualize what's happening in some of these cities across the country right now. That's right. One race. Because it is not happening. And if I hear another person, Reginald, I'm like you, I will not tolerate it. And that was said to me this morning by somebody, and I said, that's enough. Southern Sports Central shuts down as far as giving you the headlines and the updates in the sports world, and we're going to give you headlines in the real world. And the real world is that You'd be surprised. And there's a lot of things coming out. There's, 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 there's a lot of things I'm starting to hear more and I'm starting to see more. And it's a shame that it gets to this point to see the things we see. But at the end of the day, do not isolate the damage that's being done in your town or any other town in the country right now by one individual, one individual or one different, I would say, race, as you like to call it. You being mm-hmm. anyone out there listening that wants to call it that way. It is done by the human race. That's who did it the other night. Those are the individuals I saw throwing bricks in windows. Those are the individuals I saw running in and out with clothes. I saw white people, African Americans, Korean, Asian. I saw Puerto Rican. You name it, I saw it all. Everybody was well represented on Saturday night in Charleston, South Carolina. Here's my other problem I got. If you do not live in a town, stay in your town. Do your That's thing right. in your own town. Do not come to my town. And do what you do. You got your own town. This affects everybody in the country. Do what you got to do over there. Don't come over here tearing up ourselves. Reginald, your thoughts on that because that's something and, – and, and I'm, I'm in Charleston. I'm in Somerville. And, and I may – I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want anybody. I don't want whoever they are that was downtown Somerville or Charleston on Saturday night that was, you know, throwing bricks through windows. Or, by the way, uh, people in restaurants eating at Hall's Chop House were hit with bricks. While they're eating their dinner. Where in the world does that go into the right scenario for this man that lost his life? Do you think he's in heaven right now and going, keep it going, guys? The Lord in him ain't going to let it happen, number one. And number two, why? At what purpose 
Reginald, your thoughts on the things I just mentioned and, and kind of how, would, how do we attack this situation when people are being brought in from out of town to tear up your town instead of tearing up their own town? No, I think, I think you know, I think that's where, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I've talked about this obviously a lot over the last couple of days, and one of the points I would make on that is, um, for lack of a better term, we've got to do some, some self-evaluating, right, and evaluate the person or people that we know. Right, because if you know somebody that's talking about going to another town to be destructive, you need to let that person know, hey, hold on a second. First of all, you shouldn't be being destructive at all. Second of all, why are you going to somewhere else to become a problem? And and to me, that's the first step. I think a lot of this, right, and we've talked about this, um, and this comes up every time. Trust me, I know that there are a lot of good people protesting, a lot of good police officers, a lot of good everythings. And some of the good everythings, this is a prime example. In this movement, the discussion is don't be silent, don't be compliant. Don't just stand back and say, well, as long as it's not me. You can help by making sure the person that used to be sitting next to you or standing next to you or that you meet every Friday night at the same place for happy hour or every Tuesday for Taco Tuesday for dinner, make sure that person is doing the right thing. Because I think that's the step um, that, that can be added to this that can help improve what's going on. See, most of the time, when you see people doing things that they shouldn't be doing, someone knows them. Someone knows that person. They may not know exactly what they're about to go do, but someone knows that person. And hopefully whoever might know that person can remind that person not to go out there and make those kinds of mistakes and those kinds of decisions. Remind that person to go out there and be peaceful and be solution-based in their thinking. That's what will help. And I'm not saying that that's the only answer, because clearly, if we had all the answers, if I had all the answers, none of this would be happening. But some of it involves us staying on our own friends, associates, acquaintances, whatever the case may be. If these are people that you feel like you can talk to, that you can bend their ear and they understand where you're coming from, those are the people we need to be having these conversations with to make sure that not only are they thinking about this and doing the right thing and, and helping instead of hurting the cause, but also encouraging them to do it with people that they know as well. Great point there by the one and only Reginald Walker joins us here, of course, uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. They've got things going on right now, as you mentioned, uh, coming on the air about the helicopter flying around the police activity a little bit more present than normal. I can tell you the same factors here in Somerville all throughout between here and the, the beaches over in Folly, the Isle of Palms, and Charleston, North Charleston, of course, as well. Now that, uh, you know, we want to um, kind of ask you this thought and opinion because this, I would imagine, is, is a conversation that coaches are trying to figure out how do they have this conversation with their athletes? How do they get this thing going in the right way to, to make these, you know, make everybody feel, look, we're, we're all on the same team here, and that's team – you know, um, human race, if you will. Reginald, what's your advice to a coach who, who may be like Coach Smitty, who may be, you know, at a school where he may be, you know, the only Caucasian coach on the staff? How would you handle that in your situation, Coach? 
humility and honesty. Be humble enough to know that you may not know what people feel. Be honest enough to say, hey, listen, some of you players and some of my staff, coaching staff, I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what your frustrations are. I haven't experienced what you've experienced. I haven't seen some of the things that you have told me that have happened to you or that people have discussed may have happened to them. Enlighten me. That's the first step because it's one thing to stand in front of a group of people and say, do the right thing, be smart, don't make mistakes, don't break anything, and everything's going to be okay. That's hollow and empty. You got to hear those people first, understand what their plight is first, and then start to help become a part of the solution. So to me, the first step, because here's the other thing. If you've got a locker room full of, and I'm going to throw out some numbers, 60 guys in a high school locker room, you know, 115 guys in a, in a college locker room, and 60 in an, in, a, in an NFL locker room, most of those boys, teenagers, men, young men, they already know if you really know what they've gone through or if you've really been through the process of learning what it is that they've dealt with. So to go in there and act like you have answers when they know you don't is the biggest mistake because you lose the room immediately. So the first step to me is if you're a coach or you're a leader of any kind, any kind of an organization or team, the first thing you need to do is make sure you educate yourself and then understand what is actually happening and why, and why these are triggers for young men, why these are emotional moments, why these frustrations continue. If you don't know and understand those things first, there's no way you can stand in front of a group of people and present to them as if you're their leader and you have answers. They're not going to fall for it. Live right now, of course, with Reginald Walker there. Uh, he is the former Penn State player with uh, Joe Pa. He's currently in Charlotte, North Carolina, where he, of course, has uh, been the voice of many football programs uh, on the college level in the last few years. He's also uh, with a local TV station there in Charlotte. And uh, some, some very wise words. Don't pretend to know something you just don't know. And it's okay not to know. It's okay. That's how you learn. Ask questions. Uh, and and, and that's the biggest Go part. Ahead. That's the biggest part. It's okay to not know. But what makes that more important is being willing to ask. Right. I agree with you. I mean, those are solid points as we look forward to it. And, and how much do you think, uh, Reginald, as we wrap this up with you, I know you've got to get back after it, man. You guys are busy. I, I can't appreciate tell you how much I appreciate you enough, man. And we, you know, because of the world of sports, man, this, this relationship that we all have as athletes, and, and you can say what you want, and the reason, again, you know, athletes are people too. And, and that's why we're talking about this, because this affects the people. You know, this is good versus evil. This is everyone versus racism. You know, let's not get into this and that. Let's, let's, stick to the, to, let's stick to the play here on the field. And that is, of course, it takes all of us, all right? The numbers are going to help this thing just like anything else. 
And again, I will stand for what's right, and I will not stand for what's wrong. And when I decided, and I decided I was going to go ahead and put this on this platform here today, I knew Reginald Walker was 630. There was no doubt. I knew Everett Sands was going to be clutch. He's always going to answer my calls. I knew without a doubt Harry Blake, who was the first African-American athlete at Somerville High School and the legendary coach that was over there at Somerville, of course, Coach McKissick, went on to West Virginia, by God, West Virginia, to play what he thought he was going to be playing for uh, a famous coach that you guys know, Mr. Bowden, who ended up at Florida State, right? I knew right. my gentleman, of course, Mr. Brown over there at, uh, with the Blitz in the upstate up there in Greenville. He was going to come on 8 o'clock. He always does. We're moving some things around. We're making some things happen. But, you know, how much do we need to get back to sports? Because it seems like there, there, what is it about sports? And I want you to tell us because you played the college level. You played at the high school level and every level up until that point, of course. What is it about sports that we just – we got to get it back. It seems like without, without the sports world, the chaos is still there. But here's the biggest question I got. Why are we still dealing with the same thing? that we, we were, they were dealing with 65 to 100 to 3,000 years ago, we got to get this taken care of before we can go to the next round, if you know what I mean. That's exactly right. And, and I think that the thing that the locker room, right, the locker room of sport gives you is you know that generally speaking, right, most of the people in that locker room, doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter the gender, have the same goal. And all the backgrounds are different. But they look at each other and say, can you help me win today? And if that answer is yes, that that person can help you win or you feel like that, then generally speaking, everybody gets along. They, the, 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 much of the potential racial differences, socioeconomic differences, ethnic background changes, differences, um, traditions, family traditions, religion, much of that is ignored in a locker room because it's about finding a way to win as a group, as a unit. And that's where I think sports can be um, a definite tool. Um, Sports probably for many people has been uh, a way to educate themselves about people, places, right? in things that they don't know as much about. You know, how many times have we heard the story or stories from college athletes that said, yeah, we had one long weekend break and I I went with my teammate X to his hometown of wherever. That's an opportunity to educate each other. That's an opportunity uh, to see something different, to understand something different. And that's where sports can help us to see them come back. Um, but obviously between COVID-19 and, and, and obviously uh, the unrest and the frustration of a lot of people in this country, uh, those things are right now very much on the back burner. Uh, but I think they can be a vehicle and they can be a tool and they can be uh, a bridge um, to some conversations and some ability for people to really take the time to learn what other people go through, what other people, where other people have come from, and other people's thoughts and beliefs. I think all of those things. Um, and so to see the game come back, if we do, whatever the games are, right, 
whether it's baseball or, or, or the NBA, all of these things I think would be somewhat positive steps. But I think right now the first thing that everybody's got to do is make sure that folks are willing, the ones that don't know and don't understand, they need to be willing to listen. And that's step number one. Well, I tell you what, as we're live right now, wrapping up the interview here with Reginald Walker, former player for Joe Potter, Penn State. He's a voice of many there in Charlotte, not only on the radio, but also on TV. And here on Southern Sports Central, a huge part of our success uh, with uh, my brother up there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, and I thank God for our relationship, the opportunity that, that the sports, even though it's through the radio, it's through however platform it is, that you and I, we talk on the air, we talk off the air. I think we probably catch up two or three times sometimes a week. And uh, it's not always about sports. And, and I felt comfortable about you coming on here tonight, being willing to educate me, educate Eugene, educate some of our listeners, because we can always learn something. Again, if you don't walk in my shoes, how can you understand what I'm going? You know, and that's just right. as simple as it is. You don't live in my house. Yeah, I can put a pretty wreath up the front door over there, and I can, I can put all the nice flowers in the front yard. But what happens behind that door? You got no idea. Because when we walk None. out that house, we look like the we, we, we look like the Brady Bunch, where anything but is happening behind some of those doors, uh, Reginald. That's kind of my thought on some of this, and uh, I, I want to send my hearts, my thoughts, and prayers to you, to the Charlotte community, uh, to those who I know are in pain. If you heard earlier, uh, Coach Smitty, who is a uh, you know, he's a he's a of course um, a Caucasian coach, athletic director in a very rural area where uh, you know he's he, he's hurting. He's hurting inside because he doesn't know. He doesn't know how to. He doesn't know what to do. You know, he wants to help, and he admitted it on the end. I just don't know. I don't know what they're going. I don't. I don't understand what some of my players are dealing with right now because I haven't had to deal with some of that. He admitted mm-hmm. it open air, and I thought that was pretty good. You could hear the tears through the phone, his voice quivering, and uh, to me, that's that's what it's all about. And uh, you know, we're all brothers in Christ. You know, we're all heading to the same direction, to the end zone, also known as the big sky above. And, uh, you know, until we get there, we'll all join together shoulder to shoulder as we do at every football game or any other sporting event that we're at. And we're going to get this thing taken care of. And if we got to do every show from here on out so this thing goes away, so be it, as we did a little bit of that with COVID-19. But, uh, again, thank you so much, Reginald, for, for hanging out with us here for your segment on 30 Minutes here. You can always stay as long as you want. But uh, we look forward to getting back with you. We're probably going to check in with you before Tuesday, just so you know. But uh, I'll catch up with you off the air, of course, here in a few. Absolutely. I appreciate your time, guys. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, keep, keep bringing the positive message. Keep, keep, uh, keep the conversation going. And, uh, you know, as, as the saying goes, uh, we got to be better today than we were yesterday. Y'all take care. Be well. Uh, be safe. Nothing but uh, positive vibes for all of South Carolina. Uh, and uh, you all take care. And uh, I leave you with this. We are. As always, ladies and gentlemen, signs off in fashion. Of course, uh, Penn State runs through his blood uh, very, very thick. And, uh, again, just so much knowledge coming out of, uh, of that interview. And I hope you understood that. Yes, be better today than yesterday. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall short. But when you get up, get up. Brush it off, and let's keep it moving. You know, I tell my children this, and I have to remind myself of this. If I have a bad day today, Man, that means tomorrow's going to be a heck of a lot easier than it was today. Now, of course, coming up at the top of hour number two, we're going to check in up there, I believe. I don't know if we're in Columbia or in Conway, but I know Evan Sands is going to join us at 7 o'clock here in about a minute. 
as uh, he's going to check in, kind of tell us what's going on, and, uh, again, have some conversations with Coach uh, about a lot of things. Of course, he's got his own um, West Foundation that reaches out to the community. That's going to do some things here in June. We're going to get some information on that. Uh, he also, again, uh, played his high school days at Conway High School. He was a Conway Tiger, right? He also played his college football days at the Dell, over at the Citadel. He coached at the Dell, coached at South Carolina, he coached at NC State, coached up there at University of uh, Texas San Antonio, and uh, most recently he stopped, I believe, over there at Coastal Carolina. So we got to take a quick break. We'll try to get him on here. I believe, Eugene, I think Coach Wright is going to join us from Cross, South Carolina. You heard Coach Me talk about him. You and I have had him on here before. Uh, he's the athletic director and a coach. So uh, he may be joining us around 8.30 as well. So we got a lot going on. we got a lot of people reaching out, wanting to get in here be a part of the show. If you want to do that, call in right now, 323-784-9681. That is the number to call in, hang out, tell us what's on your mind. Guys, again, you know, we're not moving in silence. We're going to move this thing as much as we need to to get this platform and to get this conversation heard. All right, you're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back, guys. Don't go anywhere. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Shelman, alongside Eugene Benton, coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Training Studios here in Somerville, South Carolina. Of course, you can find the factory over there in Hanahan, where you can actually get that workout done, at 5913 Loftus Road in Hanahan, South Carolina. Uh, the boys and girls are getting after it, guys. I'm telling you, I've seen some great workouts. I've seen it not only in the gym. I've seen a few players uh, from Fort Dorchester, maybe even as well as Somerville on a Saturday morning showing that footwork that you're teaching them over there at the factory, and you can uh, give them a shout to set up your one-on-one. Uh, first of all, figure out what you need work on, and then number two, set up that follow-up. Again, the number to call is 843-573-7391. That's the number to call in for this segment brought to you by our friends over at the Temp Farm. You can reach out to them at 843-297-4131 for all of your tent needs, be it your business, your car, maybe it's your home, you need a little bit of shade, go ahead and reach out to them, and uh, you can kind of Get involved with them there at 7634 South Railroad in North Charleston, South Carolina. You can find them over there at the tentform.com on the media. Eugene, I bring you in. We're waiting on Coach Sands to check in here with us. But there's so many great things already. Of course, uh, Coach Schmitty checked in with us an hour one early. And then Reginald Walker uh, just really putting a lot of things uh, on the table that I think we all need to hear. And, and again, a couple things that I heard. It's okay not to know everything. It's okay not to know. You know, it's okay to admit you don't know anything. It's okay to admit what you don't know. And, again, getting that conversation out there. Uh, Eugene, I'll let you kind of touch a little bit. Actually, hold tight. I do believe I don't want to, you know, kill any of his time here. We do have the one and only Mr. Everett Sands, Coach Everett Sands, of course. Uh, he joins us now. I believe, Coach, are you in Conway? Are you in Columbia? Where are you calling in from tonight? I'm in Columbia. All right, so you're in Columbia, so we're getting a nice check-in from Columbia, South Carolina. Of course, uh, Coach Everstands does a bunch of things. Man, he started doing it big there in uh, the bright lights, Conway, South Carolina, which I'm very familiar with. It was a rival of mine growing up. Then he went on into the high schools and uh, set a lot of records, did a lot of great things, took him to the Dell, the Citadel to be exact, where he was a football player doing some big things as a running back, then became a coach, 
Wait, Coach Coach Schmitty, who joined us in hour one, who he was excited uh, to let us know, of course, uh, hey, he busted his butt, got after him, and it's because of him. Kind of where he's at right now in a lot of different ways. Uh, that being said, Coach Vince went on to NC State. He's been in South Carolina. He went to the University of Texas, San Antonio. Then, of course, Coach mm-hmm. of Carolina has been on the grade. And, of course, the West Foundation. Coach, is, uh, is there anything I missed here? Because uh, you're also a father. <laughs> you got oh, that yep, going for yep. you, too, with your son. In college, you've got some daughters there with you, um, and of course, a wife—the better half, right? So, yep. how's the family and, doing? First of all, coach, everybody's doing good. Um, and actually, uh, I have my youngest son is in the going to eighth grade. So oh, that's right. You kids. do have a younger son. Wow. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're so. It's, so you're still living the dream, and, and uh, you're, you're getting the chance to be the principal, the uh, the teacher, kind of doing it all, or, or, or mom being the teacher and the principal, and you're just kind of hanging back at security. What, What's your role over there at the, at the uh, middle school, elementary school, or what you guys have going on? Well, you know, we got the middle school and the high school and, and college. Of course, college is over now. Um, high school right. is over now. Middle school is over. Everything's over. So, uh, so it was more of, you know, we sort of initially with an iron fist, everybody was downstairs at 10 o'clock, and they did their work from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And the good thing is because my kids are older, you know, we uh, was able to loosen those reins a little bit as time went on. But everybody did a great job um, this semester. So um, I'm very proud of them. Uh, we're excited. Now, his son, by the way, is uh, is a student over there at Vanderbilt. You guys know anything about Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. you'll know that it's not the easiest place to get into. And, uh, this young man uh, is definitely – uh, going to be – what's his major, by the way? I don't want to assume what he's getting into because I know there's strong points over there in the major field. But what's he yeah. majoring in, Coach? He's majoring in electrical engineering. And mm. I knew it. This past semester he did a great job. He got a 397 this past semester. So he, he's doing wow. well. And, uh, he actually, Congratulations. Uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. He's doing an internship right now with one of the engineering firms here in town. So he's doing well. There you go. Now, listen, we got to give love to the other two because, you know, if you don't, they, they, everybody oh, yeah. gets their feelings no hurt. No doubt. Hey, no let's, doubt. Talk about, <laughs> hey, let's talk hey, about my, your daughter. My, daughter. You need, yeah. yep, my daughter's doing a great job. Um, actually, you know, my wife was just saying that her uh, GPA right now is like a 4.3, which is actually going to right now is edging out my older son a little bit. And then uh, my youngest son, he's the one that he, he's probably as competitive as, as anything. And so his deal is he still hasn't seen a B yet. So he's trying to continue that throughout his whole career. And not to mention he's uh, getting ready to start back up in soccer as they start to open things up a little bit. I don't know what about you, Coach, but I'm not running after anything for 90 minutes. I'm after my lunch. I'm not chasing it. I just I never did it growing up at the beach, man, and I'm not going to do it now. And Hey, you know what? Yeah. There's more power to him. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you get that from? I don't think you did. You you didn't play any soccer in Conway, did you? Oh no, oh no. You know, it, it kind of started because you really, you know, soccer is that first sport they can play. Right. And because uh, you know you can start soccer when you're like three. So so that's how they sort of got started. It was the first thing is we wanted to get him out there as soon as we could. So we got him out there, and my oldest son played until he was a sophomore. And sophomore was his last year playing. So we'll see how long the youngest one does it. 
I tell you what, God bless him, man. That's a lot of running. Ooh, it's good to be a parent oh, yeah, watching soccer. You too much gotta, for me. The only thing you got to yeah, run to go to the game race. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a little bit like – I guess it's a little bit like track, but you got a little obstacle there with the soccer ball. But that's just uh, – Yep. I get picked on all the yep. time by the track people at Coastal that come on here. And, of course, uh, we got one of the soccer co- – uh, one of the track coaches. That's how I run four miles a day. And he's like, better you than me. And I'm thinking, man, you're a track guy. He goes, no, I sprint. Oh, yeah. It's a difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a big difference. A big difference. <laughs> so how's everything else going? Uh, you know, we got a lot happening, of course, in, in the world we're living in. You're in, you're in Colombia, and I know there has been quite uh, a, a very busy um, – afternoon up there in Columbia. It's been busy, it seems like, I think, all weekend long. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, we're remembering here in tonight's show, uh, you know, the loss of life for George Floyd. Of course, you all want to think about there's right. so many names, and you almost hate to start mentioning them, Coach, because you got Ahmaud Aubrey, yeah. you got Breonna Taylor. There's just so many that, that have lost their lives in, in horrific, just, I would say, uh, evil way. It, it, no, there's yeah. no other word to say it. But that being yeah. said, you know, and I kind of told you before you came on tonight that, that I wanted to get your get your uh, opinion on all of this that's going on. Give us some advice. You know, tell us how things in, in Columbia are doing. And for the players that are listening, you know, how, how do we need to handle this? The coaches, you know, how do the coaches need to handle this going forward? And, and how does the community coach? I mean, you know, how do, how do we handle this? Well, you know, that that's a great question because, you know, I saw a picture earlier today um, that was from 55 years ago. And she had a picture, she had a sign in her hand that said, police stop killing people. Um, and, again, here's the, here's the issue. It is not all police are bad. We know that, okay? Um, there's, I, I believe there's more good cops than there are bad cops. Um, but, and I think what's going to happen here with this one, as long as they're held accountable, then I think we're going to be okay. And I think for the last couple of killings throughout the years, the people feel like they weren't held accountable um, because there wasn't even an indictment. Um, so that issue, I think, sort of propelled to where we are right now. And not to mention that it was three, you know, different parts of the country in a very short amount of time. Um, but I think, you know, as we get there, as long as people are held accountable, you know, our police officers are one of the ones that we look to to protect us. And as I said earlier, I think there's good and bad people in every profession. But the key is, if you hold them accountable, then we're going to be okay. We can still feel safe. Because, okay, he did something wrong, but he paid for what he did, and he was held accountable. Then I think we're going to be all right. Um, but the question is, how do we handle this? And, and I don't know if there's a, a great answer, uh, because it's something that we've been looking at for, for years. And I, I don't think that it's necessarily more right now. It's just that the technology that we have, we can see it easier. And it's just something that we got to address. And, and I think, the, to me, the answer is we got to make sure we hold people accountable. Then at the same time, you know, I believe that racism is taught. And sometimes, you know, some people don't necessarily – know they're teaching it, um, and they do it inadvertently. But it, it's definitely taught. Because if you look at kids, small kids, kids are going to play with kids that don't even matter. And and then, of course, kids and, and and all of a sudden now they start developing a frame of mind about certain people, and that's 
how it grows into kind of some of the things that we've seen here lately. And it, and it's sad. And it's, you know, for me as a, as a, as a black man, I understand that, Hey, when I get pulled over, you know, I want to make sure I'm in some light so at least somebody can see me because I don't know what's going to happen. And, and that's, that's not a, a great feeling, um, but it is a reality. But, uh, but I think that one of the things that we just got to make sure we do is we hold people accountable and that's at every level. And I think if we can hold people accountable, then all of a sudden now we can, everybody can feel safer about those people that are protecting us. We're live right now with Everett Sands, uh, a good friend of the uh, the show here, of course, a good friend of mine. They grew up in the same area code, zip code, what have you there in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We went to Conway. I went to Stockton, but we, of course, were close enough uh, to call, of course, uh, you know, the same yard, if you will, there. And uh, when you look at Coach Sands, uh, you know, he's a guy who – you know, uh, he is the guy that says, not only am I going to tell you what to do, I'm going to show you what to do. And then he lives by example. He's a man of God. And uh, that's the most important part of him uh, throughout this whole interview here today as he comes on. Uh, on pun request, I mean, I got with him about 12 o'clock today. He said, Rick, what do you need? I got you. Here we are. Uh, a couple yeah, things that, no that I kind of look at, and, and you mentioned this, Coach. You know, it, it is. Right? Racism is taught. You're not born with racism. You're, you're not born with this. I mean, how can we, and here's my thoughts, and this is how it goes into the sports world. How can you cheer on an athlete to score a touchdown mm-hmm. for your team to win on Friday night, and then come Sunday morning, you forgot all about it, or Saturday morning, you forgot all about it, you see him in town on Tuesday, you forgot all about it because you've gone into a different area. But yet, you, you know, here he, he's the greatest thing during football season, but as soon as the season's over, it's a different conversation. I've seen it. You've seen it. We've yeah. all seen it. You know, yeah. Coach? Yeah, you know, and when you look at it as a player, right? You know, but but mm-hmm. here's a question I want to ask you. you. You're raising two young black men who who in society you mentioned something that about had me in tears, and because it's sad, I don't have a clue what it's like to get out of my car or to be pulled over and, and get some of the feelings that 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 goes through your mind, right? When you get pulled over, um, mm-hmm. I don't, and I have to kind of catch myself a little bit here because it is emotional for me because. I grew up in Myrtle Beach, you know, and, 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 and I brag about Myrtle Beach a lot of times. And I'm not saying it's right up there on the Grand Strand. I am telling you there's a lot of mm-hmm. people that move there from outside. I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of tourism that bring things. But I'm going to tell you locally, man, some of my closest friends, some of the people I grew up with, I, we, it's just what it was. We never, the conversations right. never came up for the Sasaka Sea. I don't think it came up as much for you guys in Conway. We played on all-star teams together. We played on different things together. We just, it's, just, it's just different. So when I came to Charleston, you know, I see things. It's, it's a little different down here than it ends up in, on the Grand mm-hmm. Strand. I, I explain that to people. We live together. We work together. We make it together. Together has always been a big philosophy on the Grand Strand. And, and as you are a Grand Strand, Coach Spivey, of course, is now, by the way, over at Ashley Ridge as the offensive coordinator. I don't know okay. if you got that memo last week. But, right. you know, we're all guys yep. on the Grand Strand. And at any point, we can call each other. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're white or black or Korean or, or wherever your, your background is. We're all connected together, and we take care of each other, mm-hmm. and I think that's huge. But you have two young men that you've had to teach. You've had two men that you've had to teach, Coach, on, on how to handle, you know, a, a situation. Can you talk a little bit about this? And for maybe a mom who, who's raising her two boys, and I see this a lot of times on social media, and it just breaks my heart. You know, how, how do you go about this, Coach? How, how do you handle these these guys who, who are – coming out here and all they want is, is to be treated like everybody else to go do what everybody else mm-hmm. does without having to worry about looking over their shoulder, whether they want to go for a run, go to a mall. I mean, 
think about that movie that, that we talk about. It's my favorite one of all time. Remember the Titans, where this guy was going mm-hmm. to his, his friend's house, and, the, and he thought the police was going to stop him and get on him, but all the guys rolled the window down and said, hey, great game. Good luck next week. Now, see, now, and, and again, you can go back to what you said earlier. If it wasn't football season, how would it have been different? Exactly. Now, I believe sports is, is, one, is one place. That huddle, when you're in a huddle, you don't care what color anybody is because you know that you all have bled, you sweat, you shed tears together, and that's your dude. I know he can count on me. I can count on him. And it's you're not thinking about anything racist like that. It's just that's my teammate. And that's one of the greatest places to be because you don't have to worry about it. It's just can you get it done or can you not get it done, what it boils down to. Because it's so that, so that is a great spot. But, you know, as far as my boys, you know, it's, you know, one of them's younger, you know, so I'm not as worried about him. The other one is driving, so, of course, I have concern. Um, with him, and it's one, just teaching him to be courteous, and yes, sir, and no, sir. Uh, but, you know, as I look at George, um, and, and I started thinking, if he tried to get up, they would have said he was resisting arrest. But if he just lays there, now I just got this man foot of my neck. So what do you do? Because if I try to defend myself, now they're saying I'm trying to I'm trying to resist arrest, and now all of a sudden they got more of a reason to do that. So it's 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 hard. It's hard. Um, you know, I, I also thought that you know how can you stand there and, and watch that happen? You know, the people that are there. But then at the same time, it's like well, as soon as I make a move to stop them, now I'm putting myself uh, at risk because they're probably going to they're, they're going to probably shoot first and ask questions later. Where well, he was coming to attack me, we're not coming to save him. So I mean, it's it's hard, it's hard. Um, and I don't know if it, you know if it's going to get any easier. I pray that it will, and I pray that what we're going through now will allow my grandkids not to have to go through it, so we can grow from this. Um, because there, we're still sitting here where we want to be judged by the content of my character, not the color of my skin. And that doesn't always happen. We're live right now with uh, Coach Everett Sands. As you know, he's uh, played at the Citadel. He played at Conway. He's coached at multiple spots under multiple head coaches. He's had some of the greatest athletes around him at all times, and he's got a five-star family surrounding him at home right now in Columbia, South Carolina. You know, Coach, when you, when you look at Columbia, we, we've seen pictures, of course, if you're here in the state of South Carolina, and, of course, if you have CNN, they probably have highlighted that because that's the Capitals right there in uh, South Carolina. Uh, your thoughts on how things are going there and, and, and maybe kind of give your, your, your overall, I guess, uh, your point of view when it comes down to all that you've seen for the last two or three days and everything that's kind of gone on. Um, which I have not been downtown. I've seen some pictures, um, you know, saw a little bit of the news, but I have not been downtown. Um, you know, and I don't think that rioting and looting is the answer. Um, you know, and then on one hand, you look at Kaepernick tried to do a peaceful protest and everybody took it out of context. Um, so again, it's, 
it's it's a tough situation because you want to do something to say, hey, we want to stop this from happening. We want those cops to be held accountable. We don't want them just to be able to, at their discretion, take somebody's life, and just because they. And it's it's a tough situation, man. It's it's, it's this is a hard time. Um, it's a really hard time, and you know, and just all the things that run through your mind about all the what ifs and and if onlys, et cetera, et cetera, and and. You know, I think that uh, there, I know there was some damage down in Columbia, uh, downtown. Um, I'm not sure what all happened today, and, and actually, I don't. Try, I try not to spend as much time watching the news and, and doing all that. I'm trying to make sure I know what's going on, but I don't try to just sit there and watch it constantly because that'll get you down as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's tough, man. It's it's really a, a tough time. No doubt about it. Uh, Coach, uh, the one thing that we asked, Reginald Walker joined us at 6.30, played for Joe Potter there at Penn State uh, a few years ago. He's our age, so it's been a minute since he's strapped on some pads and played some college ball. Uh, that being said, I ask him the same question. You know, you've got coaches out here who are going to have to have this conversation uh, with their players right. and, and with their coaching staff. I mean, this is not an easy conversation. Let's say, for example, if you're, you know, if you're a Caucasian coach and you're going in and, and, and you look around and, you're the only Caucasian coach in this room, but you've hired these are your dudes, as you mentioned, in a huddle in football on a team. There's that same huddle for coaching, right? You've been a part of many of these huddles across the country, Coach. Um, advice to a coach right now that's listening that says, you know, Coach Edwards, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to handle this. What advice would you give me on moving forward with this? Because, you know, I love these dudes. I'd go to bat for these dudes. I'd go to do whatever they need me to do. I'm with them. How do I go about it? And, and how do I show them that going forward from this day on? I think just trying to understand. Um, again, as you said earlier, you, you, it's hard to walk in my shoes um, just because you can't. You know, you can't wake up and all of a sudden be a black guy. Uh, so it's hard to walk in those shoes. But I think to try to understand and just, and again, people are in different places. Everybody's not in the same spot. Um, but just try to understand uh, or imagine what that kid is going through or what he could possibly be going through. And a big part of it, a lot of times, is just communicate with them. You know, just, hey, what's going on? You know, sometimes, you know, we all jump to conclusions about what's going on with the kid, and then all of a sudden you sit down and you talk to him and you find out all the things that he has going on. Uh, because a lot of times when when a kid starts doing something that's out of character, there's something going on behind the scenes that you probably don't know about. So as a coach, it's part of what I got to do. I got to figure out how can I reach this kid? What's going on with him? Um, and and I apologize, but you asked earlier, you know, just part of, you know, just what can we tell the kids that's going on now? And, and one of them, you got to make sure that, even though there's a lot going on with the rise and the looting, you got to make sure that you stay within the contents of your character um, and make sure that you're doing the things that you know that are right. Don't allow this time to be a way to say, oh, I can go do something that I know that is wrong just because. So make sure that, you know, I can, whatever I'm doing, I can get up in the morning and, and still be proud of who I am. And, Sometimes, you know, people can get caught up in the moment. 
I can't allow myself to get caught up in the moment. As an athlete, a lot of times you have to separate yourself from your friends because you can't do what they do because if you do everything that they do, you might get yourself in trouble or not. You can't do what you want to do. So at times you got to stay away from them. And I think they still got to make sure not only from a actual physical aspect, but they also need to watch what they post because there could be some times that things could come back around. And, and again, I know that this is a tough, tough time, an emotional time. And sometimes it's easy to go on and put out something and boom. And then you think about it like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So think twice before you post some things. Not saying that you don't say what you're feeling, um, but actually make sure you put it in the right words. Some wise words here by the one and only Coach Everett Sands here as we're uh, kind of wrapping up this interview, this opportunity, uh, this lesson. I'd, I'd rather call it a lesson because we're learning here, guys, and the only way we can do that is get a voice, get multiple voices. This is a platform. God's given me the chance to do something for three hours. And I figured if I don't, you know, use it correctly and I abuse it for the wrong reasons, then I'll lose it. And I don't want to do that. So we've moved everything in the world of sports over. We've brought everything in that is going on today. There are multiple individuals who have lost their life. And, again, I can name the list, guys. And the most recent one was Mr. George Floyd. You see his son in his arms. I'm a father. I could care less about whether he is an African-American or he's white or he's Hispanic. I know he is a man like I'm a man. He's a father like I'm a father. I have children. Can I imagine my children being raised by someone else? I'm not here to take care of them. Man, hard for me to believe. When I played God in 2020, when I put God as my source and everything became my resource, there's no doubt that I could run a show like this by some of the great men that are on this list tonight. Everett Sands is one of many men who I lean on, and every, you can tell them, Coach, man, I call you all yep, the time, no and not all the time do I talk yep. to you about football. Sometimes I talk to you about some God things and say, man, look, I don't know what I'm doing. And you say, Rich, let's have luck. And we have conversations because yep. you love me and I love you, and it's okay to love you, brother. It's okay. You're supposed to. It says it in the Bible. We read it. We preach it. We, we tell our kids. But why is it, Coach, why is our kids are teaching us more than we're teaching them? It doesn't seem right. But why is right. it, Coach? Your thoughts? Because um, I think that there's, there's times when we do what we think we're supposed to do versus what we know we ought to do. And there's right. times where I'm going to do stuff for because i got to make sure that I look good in front of this guy versus knowing that, hey, I know God is watching me. And I got to make sure I'm, I know I'm doing I'm doing what's right by God. Um, so I agree. That's that's what I believe. We get caught in that sometimes, right? And don't get caught up in the I've got a friend who is the other color. That doesn't make you not racist, <laughs> right? Okay. No, yeah. Don't no don't get caught no up in well. I go to school with this guy. It doesn't make him yeah yeah not racist. Yeah. Again, uh-huh. you're actually. Yeah. And you're saying that you, you and I've heard this a time or two, man. And I thank God that we grew up on the Grand Strand. But you know what? I didn't grow up in Conway. I grew up in Surfside. And even though it's mm. 20 to 25 minutes difference, man, that's a big difference. 
and of course, oh, yeah. you know, we didn't we didn't we didn't have them all to cruise around. You guys did the y'all cruised them all up more than we did. But off to the side, man. You, you know, uh, you know Ashley Smith, a guy who uh, I, I believe single handedly cost the Conway a, a game against Somerville with snapping the ball in the end zone, and they lost like two to nothing. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. We checked on the back end line. It, well, you know, we had a goal line stand, and then we couldn't get the ball yeah. out. And he just happened to step on the back line, and we lost two to nothing. So it was, hey, it wasn't his fault. If we could have got the ball out more, defense did their job. If we could have got the ball out more, yeah. we could have gave him some more room. So, hey. Hey. Oh, man. So we got to throw a little bit of fun here, guys. And, again, you know, oh, yeah. I wanted to be a serious show, but but a lot of love for me and Coach. And, you know, we, we, we it's just what we do. Uh, the other thing that yeah. you do that I do is we love our kids, right? And, I mean, by our kids, oh, I mean the kids in this world, not just in our house not just on our streets, yep. but around the country. And the West Foundation is a part of that. And, and I want to give you yep. uh, the, the rest of this uh, couple minutes here to talk about it, man. June is coming. Here it is. And now, if I'm not mistaken, we got some news coming out with the West Foundation. And, and what's mm-hmm. happening, man? What are we doing to get this ball moving now that the governor's opened this up a little bit? Well, you know, the June, the end the last weekend of June is normally when we have our uh, free football and Jillian camp. And what we do with that, again, it's a free camp, and, and what I've done is I, I got guys that have played for me at my various stops from the University of South Carolina, the Citadel, North Carolina State, Ohio University, uh, Elon. I haven't been able to get anybody from Texas yet, but I'm going to work on that. Um, but we get them to come in, and some of the guys that I played with to come in and be the coaches. So that way the kids get an opportunity to see some people that some of them still playing, playing at a professional level. Um, some of them had an opportunity to play at a professional level, and some of them went professional with something else. But opportunity to see young men that have graduated from college, um, some of them are doctors, some of them are lawyers, some of them are businessmen, um, but just have them ha- have the opportunity to work with them. And so they give them a vision of what they can do. Um, so we had to cancel that just because of all the what-ifs. Uh, so about two weeks ago we – made an announcement that we were going to cancel it. But we were saying that, hey, there's still something we want to do. So what we've decided to do on June 25th, which is a Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m., we're going to do one of the seminars that we had to cancel um, at the early part of the, of the uh, coronavirus. Um, this seminar is going to be on mental wellness. And our topic is going to be how mental wellness affects athletic performance. So we're going to have uh, about three or four panelists. Um, I'll be the host, and we're just going to talk a little bit about how the importance of mental health is to be a good athlete because, you know, there's times that a lot of kids put a lot of pressure on themselves. There's times that a lot of parents put pressure on kids, and that can affect not only their mental wellness, but it can also affect their athletic performance, which goes hand in hand. Um, because there's, there's, a, there's a statement that I read that if you are never mentally prepared, you can never be physically prepared. And I think that's true. So I, I think it's something that we, we, we need to address. Um, and one of the things that, that really brought this about was just thinking about the young man uh, that had signed with Georgia Tech that took his own life um, in January. Um, so mental wellness is definitely 
uh, something that our kids need to know that it's okay to talk about and that it's something that will help you become a better athlete because most sports, they want to say that the game is 90% mental, regardless if it's baseball, if it's football, if it's soccer, if it's track, uh, regardless of the sport, it's a big mental piece to it. So that's something that we're just trying to help these kids be the best that they can be. So, again, June 25th, 6 o'clock, um, I think we're going to go in and start, that, start the marketing campaign tomorrow so you start seeing some different things on social media. And we definitely love to get as many people as we can out. We also have a question and answer period in there. So, you know, as things come up, we can ask questions. And we're going to try to do something like this, you know, at least once a quarter. Uh, we're going to be a part of that along the way at Southern Sports Central. We'll put it out in our venues as much as uh, we see it. If you don't mind, as you always do, send it to me directly in boxes. Okay. So that my team can make sure that we do our part. Uh, man, I do want to tell you, man, I love you from the bottom of my heart. And uh, all that you represent, not only – in the game of football and the game of any other sport that you touch on, um, it's amazing. And what you do in the community now, of course, in Columbia to Myrtle Beach, to, when you come to Charleston, man, they know you. You were a big deal here at the Dell for, for a long time, not only playing but coaching. And, uh, you know, we get through some of this stuff. I want you and the family to come back to Charleston. Let's me and you catch up and, and uh, let's have something to eat, man. Everybody likes coming to Charleston to okay. eat, so we'll do that. My son works at Hall's Chop House up here in Somerville, man. I don't know if you know anything about Hall's, but uh, I've never eaten there. Oh, yeah. But I figure why not take you, me, and, and the fam, let's go in there and eat a little bit, huh? Hey, hey, watch out now, because we might be coming that way this weekend. Hey, I'll be here. What a coincidence. So come on down. We'd love to have you, man. Hey, seriously, all serious aside, or kids aside, make sure that you, you reach out. If you come this weekend, I'm going to be here, so I'd love to catch up with you, man. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a long time. Okay. And uh, we're, we're going to keep doing things, man. Thanks again for being a part of this show. Hey. This was a very special show to me. And uh, you and your family are very close to me, as you already knew this before the show. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, sorry if at times I sort of got uh, just thinking a little bit too much just about all the stuff that's going on. But it is sure. it is it's definitely a, a good time just to talk about it. And, it's, uh, and I pray that we can get through, and when we come out on the other side, we'll all be better off for it. I will, will, Coach. Uh, God bless you, your family. Tell everybody we said, hey, and I'm going to look for you this weekend now that you said that. So let me know if something changes. How about that? All right. Sounds good. Thanks again, and uh, you all take care. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Coach Everett Sands. Of course, he is the man in charge when it comes to the West Foundation. You heard about it right here Thursday on the 25th. They're going to be doing some big things. We're going to put all that information out on our social media at FO Sports Central. Southern Sports Central, of course, is the link over on Facebook. Uh, this man has been many things to many individuals, and I tell you what, you know, he loves you from the first time he puts eyes on you, and he's going to treat you like his own. He's going to put you wherever he can put you to be successful, and uh, he's doing that with these camp cities running. He does a lot of social media now, and uh, I'm just excited uh, for, for this, everything that he's been able to do to get back to the game that's given to him, and not just one game, but all games. So we got a quick break. I got to get in touch with another legendary man. This gentleman uh, played for – Somerville. He was the first African-American athlete ever at Somerville High School. Then he went on to, by God, West Virginia, where, of course, he uh, came in here and uh, did some great things. But he went to go play for Bobby Bowden, who was there, but then he wasn't there. Then he went to Florida State. But, of course, uh, Mr. Blake stayed around, uh, kept doing big things on the track and on the football field, got that all wrapped up, came back home here to Somerville, where he had a business to the point to where he was able to retire uh, as the uh, the Allstate man. 
you were in good hands with Harry Blake, no doubt about it, over there on um, in, in the Somerville community here. And many people know him. Of course, he's a uh, he's got that million dollar smile that rolls through town and always. Uh, I would say never meets uh, anything other than a friend. So we're going to take a break. We're going to ask him about his time in Silverville playing football, his days running track all the way to West Virginia. We'll talk to him about being a local business owner here in the community, how times, well, we think they've changed, but really, have they really changed, guys? I mean, let's be honest. And then, eh, not last but least, or least but not last, I hear there's a book coming, but we're going to push that envelope as soon. So we'll do that all coming up next as you're listening the Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist with a little peace and some harmony. Virginia. 
there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You hear that song in the background. That only means it's only time to bring up a legendary man. I mean a legendary man. The Harry, of course, uh, Mr. Harry the Snake Blake. He's the fastest athlete from coast to coast. Of course, he ran his days on track. He played football here in Somerville. He also did the same up in, by God, West Virginia. We, of course, uh, had that song downloaded on Sunday. God must have knew we were going to bring a legend like this in here, of course, without further ado. Uh, I will bring in Mr. Blake. Uh, Mr. Harry, I appreciate your time here tonight and a busy Monday or Tuesday evening here in Somerville. Well, thank you, Richie, for having me as a guest. Man, I it's a pleasure. It. I mean, well, you're an All-American in my book, on and off any court and field. Of course, you uh, retired. Well, that word retired. Of course, uh, you had your own business here in Somerville over there off of Trolley Road. You were an all-state guy. You, of course, uh, this town was in good hands whether you're on the football field, on the track and field, or selling real estate over here, or selling all um, insurance over here at Allstate, uh, you, you've kind of uh, done some really big things. And everything you seem to, that you do, you do great things. You've got some kids that are success stories around you. Of course, none of them, I don't know if any of them are still here. I think they're all kind of spread out a little bit. You've got grandchildren yeah. doing great things. I mean, your legacy between you and your, your, your better half, as they say, uh, continues to thrive and, and grandchildren, and, of course, your children as well. You're absolutely 100% correct. Uh, I've got my wife here beside me, and she's my, uh, I consider my best friend now. Uh, and she's always been on my side, and she takes care of me. And my children take care of me, and, and people I surround myself takes care of me. So I'm in good hands everywhere around. So uh, I'm so fortunate. Mm-hmm. So well, Mr. Blake, wait, when you look at everything here, of course, uh, I went back and looked at an article that the uh, West Virginia put out there on you years ago. Man, I tell you what, you're quite the, quite the stud back in college there, running uh, track there. As they highlighted, uh, of course, uh, you were the uh, All-South Carolina receiver twice, as well as being selected the Sunkiss Prep. All-American at Somerville High School, of course. Uh, Mr. Blake also led the team uh, to state championships uh, his senior season. He also clocked several times at 9.4 in the 100-yard dash. Of course, that's what got him the name uh, Harry the Snake Blake uh, from his high school days here in Somerville. Uh, let's start off in Somerville, Mr. Blake, and we'll work our way to all state and do the so-called retirement. And I'm not sure if it's retirement or not these days, but – uh, here at Somerville, you, you, you were the first uh, African-American athlete, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, here. Uh, kind of talk about that and, 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 and just what was it like? Give us, give us kind of paint us a picture a little bit here uh, for the next few minutes on your first day on the field to your final days on the field here in Somerville. Well, I wasn't the first on the, on the team. I was the second on the team. Um, there was another guy by the name of Eddie Felder who was considered probably the toughest uh, football player ever come out of Somerville, even up until this day. Uh, tough fullback, uh, gets a lot of accolades. If it wasn't for Eddie, I wouldn't have gone out for the football team, but he was my protector. Uh, he was my, my – he had my back, in other words. You could say that. Um, so he was a fullback and, uh, and a running back, and he was just a, a tough all-around guy. Um, I have a lot of respect for Edward, um, good guy. Um, and, of course, I came out as a wide receiver, all 5'11", 148 pounds, and I thought I was a, 
I thought I was a, a tough guy back then, um, but I played wide receiver. I wasn't that tough. I, I got out as wide as I could, stay away from all that contact. Now, Eddie loved contact. I didn't. Um, but uh, they used to throw the ball, and I, one thing they never did is I've never had a ball overthrown. I've always had to come back for them. Um, so I was out there one day playing uh, touch football, at uh, two-hand touch. We had flag football back then, and we was on the playground, and no one could ever catch me to take the flag off me when I got the ball, so they never would give me the ball. So I found myself running people down and taking their flags, and then when I had an opportunity to get the ball, they wouldn't give it to me because they couldn't catch me. And I said, well, happy dog. Now, I only played football for two years. I only played my uh, junior and senior year. I didn't play uh, my uh, sophomore year because I was at another school. I was at Austin High School. That was all black school when we integrated the school. And uh, I came over, and I wanted to do something um, a little different that I tried to do at Austin. But Austin High School had all those great players on the team, and uh, I couldn't even make the team, man. They were so so good. They were so – so I said, well, I wanted to be a quarterback, and I, I couldn't do that because they already had their quarterback. And I said, well, I'm not big enough, 148 pounds. That's not going to be – but I was fast. I knew that because I always uh, wanted to be fast, and I wanted to be the fastest person. So I went over to Somerville High School and had an opportunity to go out for the uh, football team, and – and, again, I never had a ball overthrown. They would try to overthrow it, but they never could. <laughs> I'd have to come back to every one of them. Um, and I, uh, I got involved in, and, and got really interested in, in football. And I said, well, maybe I should run track, too. So and I ran track, and, and I, I always wanted to know what the records were. You know, I always was a record seeker. I mean, it's all right to to win a state championship, but I said I want to do better than that. I want to I want to make a record, not break a record. I want to make a record so people can come after me. I want to see just how fast I am. So I wound up uh, being pretty fast and uh, won the state championship. <laughs> I didn't know how I did that. But I won the state championship in the hundred yard dash, and then I won it in the two hundred yard dash or two twenty back then. And then I had ran into 400 or 440 back then. I won it in that too, my junior and senior year. And and uh, from doing that, I wound up being on the uh, got a chance on this football team. And they threw the ball to me as much as they could. <laughs> uh, they never thought that uh, I could be covered. And they'd always throw it long, and I would, I would somehow catch it. I don't know how I would do it, but I would, I would catch it. But anyway, I messed around and made a couple of good teams, uh, you know, uh, all state, all conference, um, all American. I've done something a lot of people have never done. I played in the North South All Star game, and I also played in the Shrine Bowl at the same time. You know, uh, that same year, my senior year. And I, that was unusual for you to play in both games. You don't do that anymore. They, I think they stopped doing that. But we had a, we had a lot of good times there. Uh, had a lot of good times at Somerville High School. That was 
that was that was that was outstanding time. Uh, had a lot of great players around me. Um, a lot of them went on and done some great things. Uh, and of course, I tried to be a, a role model myself by not staying or getting in trouble. Um, so I was I was pretty fortunate uh, to be led by some good people. Uh, my father was the my inspiration. Of course, he'd never seen me play football. Uh, he's never seen a game, and and he's never seen me run or anything because he didn't have time. He had to work. You know, he uh, had people to he had to take care of, and and I I didn't blame him for that. I just wanted him to come at least one time to see me, but he never did. He couldn't he couldn't come. So I said okay. So I just would go and uh, do my best and wound up with uh, a couple of state championships. As a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, uh, people don't notice, but um, I was I consider myself an eight-time state champion because I won the 100 and the 200 and the 400 my junior and senior year that's six times, and we won the state championship on the track team. And then we went to football, and we won the state championship in football. So six times as an individual champion, plus uh, one on, on the, as a team champion for track, and then state championship my senior year in football. So that's a eight-time state champion. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, no, but you go through that that area, Mr. Blake. You, you go through that part of the school, and you're very familiar over there by the by the gymnasium where they keep the trophies. A lot of those trophies are from from, from your generation. Uh, there's a lot of trophies. They they look like they've been around a while, well, because they have been a while, around a while. You guys, uh, it was just the known. It was the history and the foundation, if you will, that that your class and and and, and I would say your generation literally is the generation that built. What everybody has known as Somerville, the Green Wave, as an intimidator in sports around the high school level here in the state. Wouldn't you agree? I agree 100%. And we were the ones that everybody wanted to be, you know, and we always had something for them to come after. And we we always pride ourselves in winning. And we used to go up to the camp to, up in uh, Lawnburg, North Carolina, and we used to, Presbyterian College, we used to go up there and practice and we would be the first one on the field in the mornings, and we would stay out there, and we would scrimmage anybody who wanted to come out, and we'd be the last one to leave most of the time. Um, and we wasn't scared of anyone. We were just, we were just determined that we were going to win a state championship, and we, we wasn't afraid of anyone. And uh, so Coach McKissick built a lot of, a uh, lot of good people around that team, and uh, we had some good coaches back then. Uh, 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 coach uh, Buzzy Shop, uh, Shoppy, <laughs> uh, Reed Shoppy was one of the one of the coaches. Uh, we had um, Olin McCurry. He was a coach, and uh, Buzzy Dunning. Uh, those four guys they uh, really kept us together and put us together, and and we started believing in each other, and we didn't think we could lose. And uh, and we we never did really. We lost one, I think, two games in in, in two years. Uh, so we were pretty pretty fortunate. And I just happened to be a part of that. And I really um, 
enjoyed being on that team and meeting some good now, Of good course, uh, Mr. Blake, of course, uh, got to play for a legendary coach, John McKissick, who holds his old record uh, in, in the in the Hall of Fame, not only here in the state, but, of course, uh, overall. I mean, the most winningest coach in, in America. As uh, we lost, uh, he was called to the big house, the coach upstairs back in November. Uh, and, and you, of course, Mr. Blake, you, you've seen so much. Uh, as you were here in Somerville, recruited by another big name. I mean, you go from one name to another name, and that's Bobby Bowden. You go to West Virginia, and uh, if my information was uh, is right here, uh, you start to kind of look at some of the things that you were able to do as you hold many records, uh, not only here in the state of South Carolina, you were able to do the same as you went to West Virginia as uh, you were part of, if I'm not mistaken, you know, on, on multiple things there. Uh, you were able to, of course, hold other records there as you, of course, were the first trackman in West Virginia history to own 17 records, of course, holding uh, individual records in the 100 dash, the 200 dash, and the 440. I mean, what else could there have been for you to run uh, from here to, by uh, God, West Virginia? And talk a little bit about your days at track up there at West Virginia, but how awesome was it back then to be recruited by a guy that you're still friends with today and Bobby Bowden, of course, who left while you were there to go to Florida State? Well, he didn't really leave when I was there. He let me let me tell you how I got up there. I, I got to West Virginia, uh, and I was recruited by Jim Carlin. I don't know if you know Jim Carlin or not, but he went to Texas mm-hmm. Tech. I uh, I got recruited by Jim Carlin, and Jim Carlin has never seen me. <laughs> um, he just knew that I had won the state championship, and then he knew how fast I was on paper. He'd never seen me. I'd never seen Jim Carlin. I got up there. The first day I got up to West Virginia, I went, it was a Saturday evening. I go to the coach's office because uh, I wanted to see the coach, and I didn't, I didn't know Jim Carlin because I'd never seen him. I knocked on the door, and uh, I saw the name, you know, head coach, but it didn't have a name on it. So I knocked on the door, and they told me, they told me, yeah, he was right in there. So I go inside. And there's a little short man sitting there behind the desk. So I go up to him. I said, uh, uh, Coach? He said, yeah. I said, Coach um, Carlin? He said, no, Bobby Bowden. I said, Bobby Bowden. I said, where's Coach? He said, he, he's not here. I said, well, did he go to lunch or did he go home or something? He said, no, he's not here. I said, well, he must have gone up recruiting or something. He said, no, he's, he, he's gone to Texas Tech. And I said, what? And Coach Brown, he had his desk was empty, and he had a Bible on his desk, and it was open. But I didn't know what verse or, you know, it was on, but he had an empty, he had the book wide open on an empty desk. And I said, uh, where's Coach Collin? He said, oh, don't worry about him. He's gone. I'm the new head coach now. He stood up, and, you know, he's about 5'7", maybe 5'6". So he stood up, and he shook my hand. He grabbed me, and he said, but you're going to love it here in West Virginia. We throw the ball three out of four times every down. And I said, I said, oh, okay, all right, okay, coach. <laughs> if this is what you say. <laughs> and that's what he, he said. And, uh, I said, oh, that's great. So I said, well, I guess I'm at the right school. And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, that's that's good. And we went on from there. Uh, 
it, it was it was amazing. I didn't see Coach Carlin until about 15 years ago. Uh, we was up at uh, Carolina, the Sports Hall of Fame, South Carolina Hall of Famers, and my brother-in-law, Stanford Jennings, was inducted. And Jim Carlin was this guest speaker there. And I, I was at the table eating, and I, they was talking about Jim Carlin. I said, Jim Carlin? I never, who is Jim Carlin? And I saw him. I said, well, that's Jim Carlin. So he was up there when this got done talking. I came up to him, and I said, um, you don't know me, but uh, my name is, uh, I said, but you recruited me. He said, what do you mean recruited you? And I said, yeah, my name is Harry Blake. He said, you Harry Blake? He said, you Harry Blake? <laughs> and I said, you Jim Carlin? Like that. <laughs> I said, how come you left me like that? He said, well, I had to go. You know, I went to Texas Tech. I said, okay. That's all right. I said, well, I'm glad to meet you. And he said, well, I'm glad to meet you too. You know, and that that was the end of that story. <laughs> I said, wow. So that's how I got to meet um, Coach Bowden. That was his first year. He was the offensive coordinator uh, for Jim Carlin. And he got promoted when Jim Carlin left. And uh, we had a we had a good time together, me and Coach Bowden. We we. We we talk every now and then. Um, every time he comes to to the area, I always go see him, and uh, and he's always glad to see me, and uh, and I'm always glad to see him too. Um, good man, good family. Uh, a lot of people don't know it, but his son, Tommy, Tommy played wide receiver, also, with me. Uh, Tommy was my backup, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Tommy was very- yeah, Tommy was behind me, and, uh, and Tommy went on to Clemson and done some great things up there. Um, and then we got Terry Bowden. Terry is – I coached Terry because when I graduated, Terry was a freshman. I was a graduate assistant, and I uh, coached him as a freshman. So I know him, and uh, Jeff was too small. Uh, they got all them Bowden boys. Yeah. Uh, so, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we had a lot of a lot of good times up there. Uh, a lot of good times. I had an opportunity um, with my legs and my and my um, body not really getting hurt, but had an opportunity to to travel all over the country with those guys, um, playing all these teams and things I would have never done if I didn't have the opportunity to go to West Virginia. Um, so we played a lot of. We played everything on the East Coast. We were independent, independent um, uh, team, and we would play anybody who wanted to play us. We didn't care who it was. We went out in California and 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 played Stanford out there and Jim Plunkett. We, we had an opportunity to play against him. And back in Maryland, we played we played uh, Randy White. We played against Randy White. We played against uh, Franco Harris. So that's taking you way back. <laughs> I take you way back, <laughs> but I had an opportunity to play against guys like that. Uh, so we we had a, we had a good time, a very good time, and uh, I wouldn't exchange those uh, memories for nothing. I, I was very fortunate um, to play with them. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for it, for everything that uh, that they did for me. And we had this one guy. <laughs> Believe it or not, this one guy, I spoke to him today. His name is Lyde Huggins. Um, Lyde Huggins, he was a defensive back coach. He's from Mullins, South Carolina, and he was the recruiter. He came to our house, 
And I had about 30-some colleges that was looking after me, wanted me to come. And we got down to the signing day, and Coach Huggins came to our house on Miles Road. He came to our house, and he stayed and slept on the couch in our front room to make sure that nobody else would come and get me. <laughs> and uh, that's, and my mom said, um, he said, mister, I don't know who you are, but if my son comes up there, you want to take care of him? And he said, yes. And when he said yes, I said, mom, this is where I'm going. I'm going to school right here, West Virginia, because he said he's going to take care of me. And she said, okay. We can't come up there and, and, and get you now. I said, that's okay, Mom. I'm going to be all right. He said he'll do it, and uh, I believe him. And uh, so I wound up going up to West Virginia. Um, had, had a great time up there. Met a lot of good friends, a lot of good people up there. And uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't exchange that for nothing in the world. Yeah. i tell you what, uh, we're live right now with the one and only. Harry the Snake Blake, who gets in here and uh, tells us what a story. And we've uh, got so much to uncover here uh, with uh, a man who has not only built a solid foundation at Somerville High School, a solid foundation uh, in West Virginia, but a huge foundation. Uh, and, and I think I'm right here to say this, uh, Mr. Blake, uh, for, for young African-Americans who are, who, are, who are believing that without a doubt, you put in the work, you do the things that need to be done, you do it the right way, and the reward is going to be greatly rewarded to you. And uh, you, you talked about the Bible on the desk. I know you're a God-fearing man. You're uh, raising your family that way there, of course, with your better half. But, you know, Mr. Bowden, it's not a mistake there that he had that Bible on the, uh, on the desk there. That's the only thing he had out there. So, again, that was a huge connection there. Uh, you know, Mr. Blake, when you look at some of the things there and, and, and you're seeing some of the things that we're going through now, we'll kind of talk a little bit about uh, some things that are going on this weekend. Of course, uh, we're, we're focused this, uh, this broadcast on the uh, despicable uh, situation that happened that took the life of George Floyd along with Ahmaud Arbery, Brown and Taylor. There's so many other individuals that I, I don't want to miss, but it, it's just enough is enough. And, and, and you dealt with this. Uh, at a different time, but yet here we are, years and years and years and years ago, it, it, it's still here. It's still in front of us. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you went through, as you saw, you mentioned uh, the transition from going to Austin High School, which now that's Austin Middle School, that's where my daughter goes to school, to that transition to, again, you watched what happened here in Charleston on Saturday night, I'm sure, just with certain thoughts and, 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 and feelings. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that from your side of uh, – of how you saw going through the news and the media and again, kind of how it maybe you look back and thought maybe we weren't be dealing with this 60 years uh, when you saw it back, when you saw the transition and the integration uh, of schools. Yeah, it was, it was kind of tough back then, but it wasn't as bad in Somerville as it was surrounding us. Uh, we, we came through pretty good. Um, compared to what I've seen and what I've heard, um, um, it, it's a lot different. We, uh, what's happening or what has happened this past weekend has been happening all of my life and before then, since I can remember. It's not been a year yet that has gone by that someone doesn't get killed 
or hurt like that. I've never missed a year. Someone's going to get hurt and someone's going to get killed. And normally it's an African-American. In regards to what they do or what we say, uh, how we act, we expect to get something uh, uh, less than humane done to us. And, it, it's, and the history proves that. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, he protested, and that was a nice, peaceful protest, and he got down on one knee, and he was not against the flag, but he was against that brutality for black people. And not only black people, for anyone. You can be gay, you can be straight, you can be minorities, you can be uh, homosexual, you can be whatever you wanted to be. He was for all of that. But that was not the right way to do it, they say. You don't do it like that. Well, how do you do it? That's peaceful. Um, Martin Luther King, peaceful. Peaceful. He demonstrated peacefully and got thrown in jail. And look what happened to him. He got killed, you know, and that was okay. You know, we went on through that, that era. Now we come up here now, and the same thing is happening, and it's going to happen again because it keeps happening over and over, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. Uh, marching and praying is good, but you got to get off, off them knees, and you have to do something. Um, I don't condone this breaking windows and tearing up buildings and all that stuff, but it got people's attention. It got people's attention. Um, it's a regular march. Just don't get it. This oh okay, and keep right on doing the same things that that brought us this this far. And I'm saying to myself, there's something wrong here. And if you can't see it, there's something wrong with you. If you can't see it, and it doesn't have to be you personally that it happens to. It can be anyone. Right now, I'm saying, who's next? You know. And if they think that this weekend was bad, um, it could it could be worse than that. It can be worse than that. But uh, I hope it doesn't get any, any worse than that. I hope we do something. But no one's actually taken the rein yet and say, hey, let's do something about that. We need to meet, we need to talk, and we need action. And if a policeman does something like this, which is out of the norm, they need to be prosecuted. They need to be prosecuted. That was a pure murder. And everybody in the world saw it. And it, you can't label it as anything other than murder. And that's the one that was uh, seen by everyone. It was seen. And they still say they need more evidence. <laughs> I mean, what else do you need? I mean, you got it on film. You got it. You got it right there. It's no word. His word against not the guy's word. No, you can see it, but that's still not enough evidence. Uh, it's got to stop. Um, it should have been stopped. Um, I have a grandson who's 22 years old, 23 years old, and he gets devastated being being 
he sees things like this happens, and um, I'm, I'm afraid for him. Um, he won't hurt anybody, but his size makes him a threat. His size makes him a threat, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. And we have to learn to treat people right, whoever whoever it is. I don't disrespect anyone, but I've been disrespected because they don't know me, but I don't disrespect anyone, and, and I hope that what we uh, – I try to set a good example um, for the people around me, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, we don't need any kind of violence or things where people want to get hurt. And uh, we had a peaceful protest yesterday that in Somerville, which was, uh, and I knew that was going to happen. We don't, we don't have all kinds of things happen in Somerville. Uh, we were just fortunate um, to uh, have a peaceful protest. And when they came, they were looking for something. I don't know what they're looking for, but they didn't find it in Somerville, so they had to go back to Charleston. <laughs> had to go back to Charleston. That's, that's the type of place where I like to be. A place that's peaceful and and you can go outside and you can enjoy your neighborhood and stuff like that. But um, that's that's how I feel. Well, I can tell you, your your grandson there. I think you're talking about Cameron. Is that correct? Cameron, 22 years old now. Yeah. Am I about right? Yeah. yeah. Now, Big yeah. Cameron was a football player here in Somerville too. This cat could, could do some things. He's actually a pretty good video gamer. Uh, for you guys that, that do some video game stuff, uh, I challenge you. At any point, my money's on Cameron when it comes to the video games. But he's a, he's a big kid, too, by the way. And I've watched him grow yeah. up here in Somerville. And, you know, I know his mom real well. I actually spoke to her today for a little while. And uh, when I was putting this all together, I was like, i got to get your dad on this radio today. It's, 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 gonna, it's a lot to my heart. and It means a lot to me. Your family is family to me. And you and I have had this conversation before, and, and, and we're going to have it again. You're a mentor to me. I, I lean on you a lot of times. And I say, I used to come to your office all the time. And, You'd, you'd look at your yep. secretary and say, "I'm gonna be a minute." <laughs> you shut the door. Yeah. You, you would just, you would love on me. You would tell me, "Rich, you know, you're not doing this right. You, you're not doing this right. That's why you're not getting the right answers." And you would love on me enough. Sometimes you'd have to kick me a little bit, but you did what you needed to do to get the point across. And you've always treated me, you know, like family. You know, whether it be here or we go over there to uh, Matt's barbershop. You, you and I sit there. Yeah. Boy, that's always a good time to go in Matt's and tell you, you you can get a lot of information in a quick minute if you just sit there and listen to. The uh, the guys that have played, <laughs> some yeah. of them have added to it. By the way, in the last couple of visits, but I let them live in their moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can solve a lot of things in the barbershop. I tell you, whatever it is, we can solve it. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we give the women a hard time about the gossiping? But man, there's a reason they don't come to the barbershop. Man, that's a that's a sacred place for us guys, man. I mean, you know, we're 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 heroes and legends in our own mind in that barbershop, aren't we? Oh man, oh that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, you know, when we look at this stuff, Mister Blake, though, it's just sad to me. And I'm not going to keep you much longer because I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with Miss Blake. That's 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 the boss, and I, and I promise you, 30 minutes, and I don't want to go too far over 30. But isn't it sad that we're still dealing with the same thing? I mean, you would think by now, years ago, I saw an older lady who said she was she's been fighting this for 65 years. And she didn't feel like she should. We're still doing the same thing sixty-five years. And to me, that's that's pretty common sense. If you do the same thing over and over, and you get the same result, that's called insanity. So, 
at some point did we just wake up and realize that, that this is insanity? And, you know, we had uh, some other guests in here earlier uh, at the hour one. One of our guests said that, you know, sooner or later when mom tells you to stop doing something and you don't do it, she yells at you, you get the attention. You mentioned that as well as far you don't condone what's happened, but you got to do something else because if that's not working, something else is going to work. So now the attention has gotten. So what are you going to do now that you've got the attention? Kind of my thought, Mr. Blake. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And for some reason, uh, society is looking for us to come back and do something. We say we're not going to do nothing. We forgive you for the things that you've done to us, but just leave us alone. We want to live the same way you live. Whatever you want for your young son, if you want him to, to grow up and get a college education, we want that too. You want him to get married and have kids, we want that too. You know, you want him to get a good job, uh, get married. Uh, you want him to to uh, have a car, uh, support himself, you know, and have some confidence in himself. We want that too. I don't want anything less than what you want for your kids. That's all I want. And and to me, every every kid around here is mine. I get upset when I see things happen to these little young kids when they get abused and all that stuff. I don't like that. I just, I just, I just don't like that. Right. I, I, I just, I just can't stand it. But, but this, this stuff that's going on in these streets and stuff like that, uh, that if the, if the lady didn't have that uh, camera, and I don't understand, those guys got these, these police officers have these, these cameras on, but they don't turn them on. I don't know when, why. Um, right. But I'm glad that everybody has a cell phone that can do um, a lot of things with these cell phones now that we couldn't do before. And even if you have your cell phone and you show it to them, they still don't believe it and keep on doing the same thing over and over again. I pulled up last night, I pulled up 100 black people that were killed, 100 since 2017 or 2015, 100 of them. And nothing happened to none of those offices. You can go on the Internet and pull them up. And I'm saying to myself, I can't believe that. So it's going on and on. And that's from 2015 up until now. If you go farther back, Emmett Till and all them guys, you know, that, that I mean, it just keeps going and keeps going. And it's over and over and over again. And we just live in a nightmare over and over again. When is it going to stop? I have no idea. I have no well, you know, idea. Mr. Blake, if, if, if this show at one point can get one person's attention, if we can make one change, then this show was successful tonight. If I can get one person to understand, you know, we had Everett Sands in here earlier. I know you know Everett as well. Everett was running back there to yep. Dell and coached and done some great things in the community great. as well. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he and I talked about this as well. You know, it, it, it's okay not to know everything. It's okay for a coach not to understand what his athlete is uh, is exactly going through because he's not him. I mean, it's hard enough for my for my father to know what I deal with every day. So I don't expect everybody to know, but just let us know that you don't know. Ask questions. Get educated. You know, a, a, an educated man's a dangerous man. And I always tell any athlete, I don't care where you come from, what where what streets you live on. I say, look, if you're not the first one, be the next one. All right. Use that right there to motivate you to get what you need to get. You really want to make him mad at you. Man, become their boss. <laughs> Tell them what to do, and you will yep. win every single time. And that's just that simple. Let it promote you. 
not bring you back into the other direction, Mr. Blake. And that's something that you have done a phenomenal job at. You've owned a, a business here in town right there off Trolley Road that you and I actually, this same radio show you're on right now, we used to beat and bang above your head <laughs> many days because yeah. that was our first studio was above you. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it is what you did. You, you set the example. Your, your, your kids do it. Your grandchildren do it. You know, and, and I don't know if it's you, and, and I got to give a lot of credit to, to you know, Miss Blake there who's sitting beside you. She's been putting up with you for many years. I know. Trust me. Uh, yeah. They yep. say, uh, you know, they say when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And when daddy ain't happy, that's nobody right. cares. <laughs> so, that's right. Uh, you got that right. <laughs> so let, let me you ask you before I get you out of here. There's a book. What do I got to do to get this book published? I was asked to ask you this question about this book. How far? How many pages we got left where I can put this thing on the shelf and, and we can get it out here for everybody to read? Every time I get ready to finish this book, I have to add something else on. Something else happens. And I said, wow. And it brings me back to my childhood days when things used to, when I used to come up and I keep remembering things and I said, wow. So I don't know. It's It's a while. It's a while. It's, it's coming. <laughs> You'd have we to give me a wait. title for it. So that's that's all I'm gonna ask you. You need to put the title on the book. That's all you need to do. <laughs> the world the snake. Media. We can have a survey and we have that answer. Yeah, yeah. The snake. Yeah, that, that's easy. You just put your first and last name and have the, the snake in the middle of it, and, and there you go. So I, I love it. I think it's a big deal. Of course, you're a hall of famer on our show, and you're uh, you're you're a five star father, uh, of course, son, a husband and uh player of any sport you've ever touched. It doesn't matter what field it is, it seems like you're holding the record. And, uh, Mr. Harry, I, I love you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you coming on our show tonight. You know, I want to give this situation a voice. You know, we cannot move in silence. We cannot sit back. Our athletes need to have some direction. They need to hear from former athletes. They need to hear that not only can you play football, can you run track, can you go to, to, to your classes and do things that need to be done, even though the system says you can't or you won't, you do it anyway. And then you go to college and you continue to set goals. Literally, standards are met. Goals are hit. Uh, records are beaten. That's what you've done your whole life. And then what do you do even better? Not only do you work in this community, you own a business in this community for so many years. And uh, through many people's eyes in this, in this town of Somerville, you know, you are a huge pioneer of the success that Somerville has had for so many years. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for being a role model for myself. And of course, uh, all those that you've come in contact with. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity to express some of the things. I have a lot more I could say, but we done ran out of time. And but uh, anyway, we appreciate everything that you've done and you're doing. And keep your head up, and you're going to be okay. Well, I got much love for you, like I said, and I'm gonna get you back. Trust me. Until this book is out, you may become a co-host, and that's kind of the deal. So if you don't want to be a coach, but you might want to be. I was told by one of your daughters you might enjoy being a co-host. So I don't know if I want to offer you that opportunity either to say if you get the book, you can come in as a co-host, or if you don't get the book, you got to do it. But either way, I got a spot for you, Mr. Blake. I know you're retired, but kind of sort in a way, but I got something else we can put you to work. And we'll do a show at the barbershop uh, once or twice a week if you want as well. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. That would be nice if you did that, man. Them boys yeah. go crazy. Man. <laughs> yeah, you hear some all kinds of things in there. Oh wow! Oh yeah, they, we we gossip a little bit more than the ladies do. No doubt about it. When I go in there, I, I tell you these stories get longer and, and and they get a little bit more yards along the way. But uh, 
Mr. Blake, enjoy your uh, your Tuesday night. If you need me for anything, you know to reach out. Let me know. And uh, again, God bless you, your family, and I always appreciate your time. Well, thank you for the opportunity. You take care and be careful. I'll do. You do the same, sir. All right, guys. Let's head to a quick break. We come back. We got another guest coming to us all the way from Greenville, South Carolina. Ken Brown from the High School Blitz joins us right after this commercial, guys. Don't go anywhere. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the Tent Farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Young alongside Eugene Benton. This segment, of course, uh, brought to you by, well, let's give some love to the Tent Farm first. You can find those guys at 7634 South Railroad in North Charleston, South Carolina. You can find them on the web at tentfarm.com, or you can call them at 843-297-4131. Now, this brought to you by, of course, our friends over at a barbershop here in town. And of course, one of the oldest barbershops in town, Simmons Barbershop at 139 North Main Street. In Somerville, South Carolina, you can give them a shout at 843-873-2861. They're closed on Sundays and Tuesdays. They're back open tomorrow, and, again, uh, they run all the way from about 8 o'clock, 8.30, I think until about 5 o'clock. Saturday, they close at 11, so make sure that you get in there early on Saturday. Let's head over. We're running a little bit behind. Now we'll check in in Greenville, South Carolina, with the one and only Mr. Brown with the High School Blitz. What's up, buddy? Hey, my man. How's it going? Glad to be on again. Well, glad to have you on. We got a lot to cover and uh, not as much time as uh, as we were hoping to, but we're going to bring you back Thursday if it works out to give you a little bit more time because there's just so much to cover. And as you kind of heard there, we had a legendary uh, Hall of Famer, not only here in Somerville, he also was up there by God, West Virginia. uh, And and the accolades that he gets uh, is incredible. He's he's the second African-American uh, athlete over at Somerville High School. Uh, he was one of the first up there, I believe, in, uh, in, in West Virginia, in the track team. And he holds records from here to there and everywhere. Uh, and, and you kind of heard some of it because I know you logged on and were listening there as you were waiting to come in here with us. Uh, and uh, you, you kind of heard what we were getting into. And I think you see, you know, you and I kind of went back and forth on some text messages. And, you know, to kind of take some time away from stats and scores and talk about what matters a little bit more, and, and that is the quality of life. You know, we can't just love these kids when they score touchdowns or or field goals or or baskets or home runs or whatever it is they're doing. You know, we should be loving these kids that 365 thing, right? I mean, seven days a week. And, uh, you know, I I think, um, you know, knowledge is power. And educating the listeners who may not know everything. You know, let's be honest. There's some coaches out there right now that that, that may be, uh, you know, and around their coaches. And I said this about – three different times or three different interviews, well, maybe it's a Caucasian coach or white guy, and around him are nothing uh, but African-American coaches. And, and for the first time, he's going to have to address this conversation. 
And and when you're a faith-driven man, this is the first test you're going to be given, possibly, or the next test you'll be given. You know, you're in mm-hmm. Greenville, first of all. How's your family and, and how are things going up there? And, and uh, you know, I guess got to update us on, on everything that's going up there. I know that there's some some, some conversation. There's some um, – I don't like to use the word protest, but, but there are definitely some gatherings where these guys – are letting their voices be heard, and, and I, I congratulate them for, for using that amendment, that they have the opportunity to do that here in America. Yeah, yeah. well, first of all, the family's great. The little one's doing great. He's, uh, you know, he's walking now. He's all over the place. And, you know, I've got you know, older kids. They're doing great. And and um, just, you know, they have, they have a lot of questions because my kids, my kids are biracial, and they get to experience both sides of it. And what we've got going on now in the world and, and – uh, um, I, it just—it's not getting any better. And my thing is—is is, um, when we was growing up, we used to say, "Well, when we become older and our kids come older, it'll be you no know, racism, be just about gone because it's you no know, it's about that upbringing." Because our, our parents didn't teach us; they taught us everybody's the same, treat everybody the same. We didn't see color. You know, we grew up on both sides. My grandfather was uh, biracial. So I grew up on both sides, and my and my older son Shane is um, takes out of his after his mom a lot with his skin tone, and you know being in the navy and going in you know so if he's around a lot of white guys, he has a lot of racism, and he he would call me you know there you know, and I always tell my kids to speak up, always speak up, never sit there and take something when somebody's saying something, saying the n word or anything. You always speak up because we don't. You let them get away with it, they're gonna say it more, and you're gonna you're gonna experience more racism. So always speak up, let them know how you feel about it, and set it set it straight, and get it over. And so he did that. He said, you know that he said that was one thing that I learned right quick. Is when I said, hey, look, my dad's black. You can't say that. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, but I had a I had a conversation with a guy about about mm, about a year ago. And he was on Facebook talking about, you know, we got to do this, we got to do that. And I told him, I said, look, I'm going to tell you one thing. I said, um, I've seen a lot, you've seen a lot. I said, if you think it's going to be better in a year, you, you let me know. I said, because since the Rodney King beating, it hasn't got any better. Everything's been filmed now. And I said, everything, I said, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's always been the same. And everybody, everybody saw the Rodney King beating. And look how long it took before they did anything about that. And up here, you know, we said we just say nine minutes. Nine minutes that he had his knee on that guy's uh, neck, and nobody helped out. Nobody said anything. And I, did I get mad? Oh yeah, I was fuming because my thing is, why stand up with your cell phone when you go, at least bomb rush and push the guy off of? But those cops should have should have pushed that guy off of him instead of just sitting and letting him kill him. And me as a black man, I had to sit and watch that because I mean, of course, our spirit's been pulled over stuff and and get asked to get out of the car and stuff. But you have to be, and we tell the kids, you have to, you know, when you you raise it, because you have to tell them, you get pulled over, hands on the steering wheel, don't say nothing, yes sir, no sir, because you don't never know what's going to happen. But we've had a couple of markets, everything been calm up here, but everybody's still mad about everything, you know, because nothing has been done. Nothing when when it happens, the cops don't get arrested. Nothing's it's just like a good boy thing because it was a guy on Facebook and somebody made a post and I said, Yeah, but the guy standing there, 
you know, trying to keep the uh, people back and other other ones on settlements. All of them should have been arrested, every one of them. Don't, and you got all the proof you want right there in the video. It should, they should have been arrested right then. For, that was murder. They should have been arrested right then. So that's what makes everybody mad. Nothing happened. So now if nothing happens to those guys now and they get off, that's no telling how bad the world's going to get because the world's not getting any better. Now I've got a two-year-old that I've got to raise in this world now that's just getting worse and worse and worse that, you know, my son has Down syndrome. My son's going to live with me forever. He's never going to be able to move out by himself. He's going to always stay with me. Um, but I'm not going to let my son go out in the world. My daughter, my youngest daughter is 20 now, and I'm constantly talking to her. And she called me. They said, Dad, I'm just calling and checking. I said, I'm fine. I'm working. I'm fine. And so I'm, am I worried about my kids now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because nothing is getting done until when something happens like that, that the world is watching right there, watching. And they don't get arrested right on the spot. They should have been arrested and locked up right on the spot. And and, and it's not going to change until something happens because all those cops, all, it's got their buddy system, and they, won't, they don't rat on each other and stuff. But that was just so wrong. You know and I know, we didn't hear anything about the shooting in, in, in Georgia that happened in February until they released the video. And that's, those guys, one, two guys running around for, what, three months free? You know, those guys should have been in jail, and they, and they blamed on COVID. I don't care. They should have arrested those guys. Nothing is going to change until somebody steps up and say, okay, if you know that you we, – we've got you on video with your neck on this man killing him, he's begging for his life. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Please, Mr. Officer. They should arrest him right on the spot, put him in jail, Right on spot. No trial. Don't waste taxpayers' money. You don't get a trial because we just watched it. So don't get, don't give me no well to prove innocent to prove gift. No, we saw you do that. So don't give me that. Then don't give me this crap about. Uh, well, he had a heart problem. Uh, uh-uh. that man killed him. So he's charged with murder. Then you got the other guy just standing there watching. They're charged with murder. That's no different than if me and you out in the, you know, somewhere and you rob a uh, store. And I'm with you in the car, and I go to jail with you because I was accessory. So they should get exactly. charged. And, and they got to do it quick. They, got, they have to do it really, really fast because there's a lot of people that can't take it anymore. And it's, it's going to – much as I hate to say it's going to come down to a point where nobody respects police officers around here. Nobody. Uh, I can tell you that right now. It's just like a, they don't care because they know how they are. And what I can't understand is what – who are training these police officers to to tell them to do what do the stuff they're doing? I mean, if if you're a racist and and you got a racist, I mean, race hatred goes deep. It's down in, it's down to the bone. It's in your DNA. So if you're raised to be a racist, you're gonna be a racist no matter what. You can't change character. I mean, he can, I mean that guy can be a billionaire. He's gonna be a racist. So. It's, I mean, you, it has to change with you know if you're raising your kid to tell them you know what's this and this, but you can raise your kid all you want and tell them not to be racist. They get out in the world and you don't have your hands on. They get with us different group of people and they and they can change them. You know, well we got we we got to do something, and it's killing me. I'm not gonna lie to you because I see these young kids and knowing you know they have no idea when they graduate in high school what's what's waiting on them out in the world. They have no idea that you know uh, you can get pulled over by a cop and 
and salt and do said blah blah blah. You drug out of the car and beat or and um, shot and you know your family mourns and stuff. You dead and gone and the cop don't nothing. Get suspended with pay and that's about it. That's just a slap in the face. It's just a slap in the face and can't take it anymore, man. Now, and, and I can only imagine as we're live right now with Tim Brown, he's with the high school blitz. He's been handing out belts uh, for, for, for years here, but this is something a lot bigger than any belt. This is bigger than any uh, recruiting trip. This is bigger than anything because this affects so many in so many areas. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned on many, and we're going to, of course, I have uh, Sean King's going to join us here in just a few from Cross High School. And, Ken, I'm going to let you kind of hang out with us as uh, he kind of, uh, agreed to come on here towards uh, about end of hour number two, maybe the hour number one, somewhere in that area. So uh, we're going to have conversations with him as well because of the school where he's at, all right? So population-wise, it is a lot more, I would say, highly populated with uh, African Americans, and, and the things mm-hmm. that they deal with are going to be a lot different than it would be at Bishop England High School, it's a, a predominantly uh, Caucasian school here in Charleston. So there's just different demographics. That, that we, that, that, that it's mm-hmm. reality. You know, to the point that the University of South Carolina requiring now incoming freshmen to take a diversity training course this fall. This came out, uh, you know, I believe yesterday over at the University of South Carolina. Uh, Ken, have you had a chance to see that? And, and you know, it, it is an interesting deal, and I'm glad you brought it up that you, of course, uh, you know, you have biracial kids, so they see it from different angles. Uh, they see it from different mm-hmm. sides of things. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, you know, it's a whole different – shoot a walk in than it is over here, over there, or over here or there, you know. So oh, when, yeah. when you see something like this for the University of South Carolina jumping on board here, saying, look, we're going to be part of the, the, uh, of the proactive, not the reactive. What's your thoughts on South Carolina and the Gamecocks over there putting something together pretty quickly? I mean, I'm talking uh, days after what we've seen here around the country. I think it's a great thing. Uh, but I mean, you, but it still goes back to – um, you can have you can have that, and you can have the you know classes and training, and till you blue in the face. But if you got a kid in there that's yeah, I'm gonna take this class, but knowing deep down in his soul that he's a racist, it's not gonna help. You have you you got to identify you have to identify a kid that's a racist that don't like anything. You cannot let that kid go to the police academy or into the into the armed services because that gives him an out. He can just go out and, and kill someone. But I'm a police officer. They did so and so. So I think you have to identify. Um, they need that. That's what they got to work on because you mean no um, guys. Just just I just know they're racist, you know, and they'll talk to you right. in, in your face, but you know, but you know they're racist. So there's no way they should be in charge of anything or anything like that. So it's going to probably be a lot of things popping up like that, and it's it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, it's a good thing. But I can tell you right now, if I can, if if you got five white guys or five or five white girl, or white guys in a group at some place taking this thing somewhere else at some at Harvard anywhere. And you slide my son in there, they can't tell that he's, you know, white. They, he goes, oh, it's just another white guy. And they start talking about something else, you know, about racism and stuff. And then he, he's like, a, look, he, you know, he could, he, he, let me tell you, let me tell you this right here. 
My son was in the Navy. He gave up football to play for. He gave up football. He could went to uh, LSU. That's why he's wanting to go to LSU. He said, "I'm not going to play no more football. I'm going to go to the Navy." He's he's. They asked him to write a paper. And um, about racism one time when he was taking class, and then he had to, he wrote this paper, and then they told him he had to come up and talk in front of everybody. So I'm talking like 500 people at this auditorium. He said he agreed to it. He walks on stage, and they said, "Well, this is the guy who wrote a paper about racism." He walks on stage, <laughs> and all he said was, "Just look at me." I see it from both sides and trying to walk off. And so when you could see that from both sides and understand it. And no, he, and he can tell you. I mean, I could bring him on with you. He can tell you. Uh, you can have all the training in the world. You can have all these classes in the world. You know, when I took four years of, you know, diversity training. But if it's in your bones and it's in your DNA and it goes back 50 years to your great-great-granddaddy, it ain't going to change nothing. Yeah. It's not going to change a thing. I don't. I, I tell you what. I, I I hear you loud and clear because I tell you there's a, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And because you know you start thinking social media, you're right? I, I've seen athletes. Hello, athletes. You can hit send, but you can't hit delete quick enough. And and good for you because mm-hmm. if you're going to put it out on social media, you took a chance, and there's going to come a consequence. Right? We tell you this all the yep. time when it comes to other things. And I've seen 17. I got the number in front of me. 17 athletes that I track, that I keep an eye on, who have already been in the middle of something, putting something out there that they just didn't mm-hmm. think. But at the end of the day, if that's who you are, that's who you are. Own it. Yep. But also own their consequences that come with it. As we're live right now with Ken Brown, the high school blitz. Uh, Ken, uh, we're going to bring in a, another gentleman, uh, and, and you may know this gentleman as well. He's been on the show uh, a couple of times, uh, Mr. Shine. Right here, of course, uh, he is the athletic director and the head football coach of Cross High School there in Cross, South Carolina, right outside the, uh, I guess, the Berkeley County area. Uh, coach, uh, how's, how's it going up there in Cross tonight? Going pretty good. You know, we just, uh, I guess like everybody else, just kind of staying hunkered down and, uh, you know, just kind of watching the environment and, you know, just trying to do what we need to do to survive, you know. Right. Well, I appreciate your uh, your willing to come on, and we're going to get you on a lot more. we got a lot of other things covered, but tonight I, I took everything off the table when it comes to stats and scores and, and, and the feeds of, of headlines of sports because this affects us just as much in the athletic world as it does any other world. You know, you can't love these yes, brothers on Friday – and you can't dislike them on Saturday. You know, we can go all the scenarios. We've been doing that in the last two and a half hours, Coach. But, you know, uh, this is something that if you'll go side to side with this guy on a Friday, well, by God, you better love him just as much the other six days of the week. And you better love him just as mm-hmm. much when the season's over and so on and so forth. So, you know, we, we yes, can look sir. at things. Coach, I had Coach Smitty on here earlier with me. Uh, he's also a big fan of yours. Man, you got a lot of love uh, on this show from a lot of guys. And that speaks volumes for you as a man. And I appreciate you being a part of it. But uh, you're in a different area than, than some of the other coaches that we have on. Uh, you're uh, in the rural part of uh, of the Berkeley County area, right, on towards the upper side, going towards that Columbia, just kind of geographically tell yeah. you where he's at, uh, where I would say yeah, predominantly African Americans are going to be your students that you guys have there in the building. And, and again, you know, so kind of give us the angle, kind of draw us the picture of, of things that you deal with that may not be seen at a swimming pool, may not be seen definitely at a Bishop England. 
uh, when you go through uh, some of the, uh, I guess, day-to-day uh, as an athletic director, as a coach, as a father, and a father figure to these individuals. And I'm not just talking about the boys because, you know, you've got the ladies there that play sports and uh, just students in general. They kind of warm up to you because I've heard a lot of those guys and girls say, I tell you what, I might not play sports, but he sure makes sure I'm okay. Tell us about that, Coach. Well, you know, um, when I think about the area in which I grew up in and the area in which I now coach, um, you know, when I was a little boy coming up, um, I was fortunate enough to have both parents in the house. And, you know, Christmas time, um, I didn't always know what I was going to get for Christmas. And so a lot of times, you know, I would wake up on that, you know, that Christmas morning and I would get a chance to open a gift and I was completely shocked and surprised about what I received as a gift for Christmas. And that's kind of like how it is being a coach um, in this area. Like a lot of the kids, they don't, they don't necessarily know what's in front of them. Like they, they have to live so many days, day by day. Like they can't, like a lot of them don't, like if you ask them, you know, what do you want to do five years from now, 10 years from now? They cannot tell you because it is literally, how can I get past Tuesday? How can I get past Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? You know what I'm saying? It's like it's day to day. Like it, they don't have an opportunity to dream about weeks, months, years from now. It's It's, it's kind of like, you know, what can I get? Today, what can I get tomorrow? So it's day to day. So when you're able to give kids something that they have not seen or they have not expected, it, it makes those kids hungry. And, and, and it's one of the reasons why I've always enjoyed coaching in the area in which I grew up, in the area in which I am coaching now, because, you know, and no disrespect to any other area, but um you know you you coach at a at a you know a, an area like a Columbia or Charleston that you know those kids maybe have a little bit more than the other kids you can't really surprise them with anything you know i've always heard the notion um you know kids at these charter schools they drive cars that are more luxurious than the the teachers that teach there or the or the administration you know um so you know those kids that are in a rural area you know they don't they can't even fathom anything like that so when you when you are able to give them just something that they have never had you create a hunger you create a a a a, a mentality that you know, you don't always get with another school. So, you know, um, motivating kids in the areas in which I coach as opposed to, you know, any other area, I, I think is, this, is is a big reason why it is tough to beat a, 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 a kid from Cross or a kid from a rural area that, 
doesn't have much, but you can, you know, kind of dangle that carrot in front of the rabbit's face and, and get some motivation going. So that's that's kind of the difference that I see. That's a pretty good point. As we're live right now with the head football coach. He's also the athletic director over there at Cross High School in Cross, South Carolina. The one and only Coach Sean Wright joining us right now uh, for a few minutes here, Coach. And, again, thank you so much for the time. Uh, family doing good, though, you guys, of course, uh, making it through this transition from COVID-19 to here we go. I'm kind of looking at whoever's driving this uh, 2020 year and, and asking them to pull over let me get out of this car because I'm not enjoying this ride very much at all. Uh, that being said, though, how is the family getting through all, all that's going on on top of what we've had to, of course, uh, you know, we see the situation that happened this past week with George Floyd. But, again, we talked about Ahmaud Aubrey, We talked about Breonna Taylor. Uh, we had uh, Harry Blake. You probably have heard that name a few times. He is a Hall of Famer here in Somerville. He's also went to West Virginia. But, you know, he pulled up 100 names, 100 names since 2015, that have lost life, but there was never a sentence or any type of, I believe, uh, lack of better words or remembering exactly uh, of, of a consequence that was handed out to uh, these individuals during this time uh, there. Coach? Um, you, know, I, I'll, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't have, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I have three young kids. When I say young, my oldest is 15, my middle child is 14, and my youngest is 10. And, you know, we we live in a in an area to where, you know, it's, it's, it's mostly middle class individuals. So they, they kind of see um, the best of both worlds. And, and so my kids, they don't know what um, they don't know what you know as far as one race what what it, what that looks like they are they are multi cultural uh driven um for lack of better words and that's how we live our lives. That's how I live my life. Um, I went to Cross High School, which was a majority African-American school, but I wanted to go to a university that was opposite of that because I knew at some point in time I had to be in the world, which was, which is consisted of, you know, multicultural. And to me, you know, why shelter, you know, your child, your athletes, into um, into one area where, you know, when they get out into the real world, they have to experience so many different cultures, so many different beliefs, so many different, you know, ideas, ideologies um, that, you know, they may come across. So, you know, we just, we try to teach the, to the total child, and that's even from our house and, you know, uh, dealing with this COVID-19 thing, we just try to do the best we can, you know. At the end of the day, you don't know who has what, you know. You just try to, you know, cover the bases, you know, what the experts tell you, um, use your best judgment, and then, you know, you kind of go from there, man. And, um, you know, at this point in time, you know, everybody is doing well. Um, you know, we're we're just kind of maintaining 
You know, not living in fear, but living in hope. I like that living in hope uh, a lot more than living in fear. And I, again, uh, I appreciate your time here for the next couple of minutes. You, you, I know you have three small kids, you're a coach, uh, and I'd like you to speak on two different fronts, man to man. For all the men that are listening right now, there is a father out here who, who is trying to explain to his son or daughter, uh, because he doesn't know what, what, what goes through a, a, a young black man or an older black man's mind, because he's a white guy. He's, he has a different, he has a different right. way that he sees things, right? I mean, let's just not, let's call it what it is. You know, he doesn't fear right, that he gets right. pulled over. He doesn't have to worry about somebody watching him walk to a store. There's a lot of that that happens, and we all know it's there. You know, just because we don't say it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It happens. Uh, but there is a man who is sitting here right now, and he's listening to our show. He could be a coach, needs to talk to his football player. Maybe he needs to talk to his coaches. And maybe he is, and that's it. I've, I've asked every coach and player that's been on my show tonight the same question because I think, you know, it, it means a lot coming, uh, you know, to the guests I've had on tonight. What would you, what would you tell someone? How would you explain to get through where we are right now, so that we can grow together, that we can get this thing and work together to unite and as one, being on our voices and not on silence. But how would you explain this, or what advice would you give to a father and to a coach who may to deal with this, with his players, his coaches, or their children? Well, I, I, I'm going to kind of quote something that I heard a long time ago. Um, I've never had the privilege of meeting uh, the Reverend Jimmy Graham. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Billy Graham. Um, but he made a reference to coaches and the fact that we would uh, have more effect on young people than any other person in the world. And, and I agree with that. Um, and, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of held back as far as social media has been concerned um, as far as my views on things. But one of the things that I think I'm going to eventually uh, you know, put on social media is right now, everybody has to be kind of isolated as as far as an adult, as far as a you know a person, period, because of what's going on. And to me, if you you know we're faced with being in a cocoon, and if you can realize what happens in a cocoon, there's a metamorphosis. There's changes that has to be that has to take place. And so if you know if you're going if we're going through this metamorphosis. You know, we cannot come out the way we went in. And so what I would urge everybody, you know, whether you are a coach, whether you are a parent, whether you are whomever, um, and and you have an opportunity to have an influence on somebody's way of thinking or somebody's life, um, you know, I think what you need to do is kind of reflect on, you know, what's going on in the world today. You know, what can you do to make a difference? And I think from a coach's standpoint, if we just get back to just wanting to win football games, we've missed the opportunity to – change young people's minds. Um, 
you know, I have African-American males on my team. I have Caucasian males on my team. You know, the one constant thing that to me stands out to everyone in, in, in every organization is, is love, love and respect. Um, if we can just focus on those two aspects as far as, you know, being someone who we weren't, being someone different, focus on, on loving and respecting more than you have, then I, I, I think we have an opportunity to build, you know, something new in the universe. And, and, and that's just my way of thinking. I just, you know, at the end of the day, um, we can't worry about politics. We can't worry about who may not like um, what I say or who may not like who I stand with. It's all about what your heart tells you. Our minds can be very destructive, but our hearts will always tell us where we need to be. And so I think moving forward, if we will kind of learn to listen to our hearts more so than our minds, then this 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 world in which we live in will be so much better. And that goes from athletics to family to business to just whatever. You know, that's just the foundation I think we need to we need to be on. So that's just my take on it. That's a great take, Coach, and that's a good way to wrap up the show. I want to say, first of all, uh, thanks so much for coming in tonight. Uh, I got to get you back in. We got football to talk, but I just wanted to put that aside, have you on tonight. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for you, and, and, and of course, the way you run your program is first class. And uh, I'm going to give you a shout after the show because I want to set something up with you. But uh, thank you so much for the words. I, I know somebody needed to hear them, and uh, I know that we appreciate your time on and off any fields or any out of classrooms, uh, all that you do in your community and any community that you step in, you always uh, do a first-class job. And uh, from us to you, uh, if there's anything you need, a platform you need to speak on, uh, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that, Coach. Thank you so much, man, and, and, and God bless. And, and we, we hope to get back to as, as quick to normal as we possibly can, man, and we look forward to this season. All right, Coach. Thanks again. God bless you and your family. We'll talk soon. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the head coach over there at Cross High School in Cross, South Carolina, the one and only coach, Sean Wright. Of course, he is the athletic director. He's also uh, the head football coach, and he dropped a ton of knowledge. How about that? When you go into a cocoon, you're supposed to trans yeah, – basically, the way you go in needs to be the way you come out. I think that was huge. Eugene, I'm going to bring you in. We've got about three minutes before we get off the air. Uh, I do want to thank quickly Reginald Walker, Everett Sands, Harry the Snake Blake joined us all the way right here in Somerville. Uh, Coach Sean Wright just joined us there. Uh, we also went back up to Greenville to Ken Brown. He's with the high school Blitz, and we started it all with Coach Schmitty hanging out with us in Manning, South Carolina. It's been a great show. We've got a lot of things, guys. We got a lot of work to do. Oh, we got a lot of work to do in this situation, guys. I, you know, again, you know, I could have talked some stats. I had a few things I could have told you about. You know, a school that's leaving a conference, going into another conference, but it really didn't matter to me tonight. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't matter to me. And God gave me a platform and a voice, and, uh, and I felt that the calling to, to utilize it. These very successful men on my show 
to educate myself. Hey, there's some things I don't know, but I know now. I know more now after this show is over than I knew before I got on there, Eugene. Yeah, it was definitely a, a difficult night to, uh, you know, trying to run uh, the things through the glass, as as we say, and, you know, trying to listen to what, what these guys have to say because everyone had, you know, such a different background and where they come from, where they're at, how they got to where they're at, and, you know, where they didn't go and why they went a certain way. And, you know, it was, it, it, you want to listen uh, and get to know know these people on that level. So it, you also want to share some of the information with listeners or those that who couldn't listen and follow along. But it was, it was definitely a, a challenge, probably one of the hardest nights to do that because, you know, you really just want to, going back to to, uh, to Reggie, and it was just, you know, just listen. And so it's kind of hard. You can't be a good, an active listener and being active in something else. And so that was that was quite difficult. Um, but you know what a great panel, and uh, definitely you know starting out with Coach Schmitty, and I know he mentioned the the rights, and uh, you know there's another right now coaching over at Timberland that happens to be Sean's cousin, and you know I told him if they got the internet, you know maybe you and I could come out there and cover that game. <laughs> they, said, they said they might find us a corner in the. Uh, in the end zone that they could get us internet so we can cover that game for for the right uh, cousins to to duke it out. But um, definitely looking forward right to ball. it, man. I, I love Sean. I look up to him. He was one of the first guys that reached out to me uh, when with the uh, coaching transition ocean side and said, "You know what, man? No matter where you at, if you, if you need something, man, I got you. You got a place here." And uh, I, I just love that guy to death, man. Uh, you know, we we always chat and and social media and things like that. But uh, definitely looking forward to hopefully getting out there. And, you know, the, the guest list, I, if I had to name a favorite, it had to be Mr. Blake, man. What You know, he was entertaining, but just the breadth of knowledge and experience of where he came from, you know, the barriers broken, the walls knocked down, you know, and the walls, if they fell down, the, the pieces weren't going to catch him. Man, he's too fast, you know. So, uh, <laughs> gosh, what a story. He's just a guy you'd love to sit on the front porch and have a glass of tea with, you know. And uh, very blessed to have him. He, 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 he would show. like you to have. A, he would like you to come to his house to have a glass of tea with he, he he enjoys these days. I tell you, I've sat in his office many times there, Eugene. But uh, you, you know, a great guy indeed. You mentioned Sean, and, and Sean's a guy, coach. Uh, you know, right there. He, I, I asked him like and 20 minutes before he came on. Hey, you busy? You got a few minutes, so I'm sure he got to come in here. I didn't want to keep him too long, and uh, you know, I'm I'm just I can't I can't brag enough about. The, the opportunity of ministry, all right? That's what we're doing here, guys. Like it or not, I, whatever it is, I'm going to tell you, you know, I used to think maybe youth ministry was something God called me into, and I thought maybe I was going to be into being a pastor or something to that field. But then I thought to myself, well, what is it? God was like, you're doing it. You're doing youth ministry right now. You're doing ministry as a whole right now. The show we had tonight doesn't happen on, on some of these other syndicated shows or some of these other shows that you hear around town. This is what makes us different. I touch base with multiple coaches that have multiple histories. They have different paths. They've gone through different things, but they're all successful. They've all had ups. They've all had downs. But at the end of the day, they're standing up. Yeah, they have hard days, but they also have a lot of good days, and they share their stories. And, again, each one of those quotes can be found on Twitter, at SO Sports Central, on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. Eugene, we're up against the clock. We'll be back here Thursday night. Uh, stay tuned. Not sure how Thursday night's going to look, but – I'll pray about it, and we'll figure it out from here, buddy. Yeah, buddy. I'm on the road, so uh, just ask for some prayers and safe travels. And you're heading to uh, OHIO. OHIO, yes, sir. All right, guys, on behalf of all of us, all of you, guys, stay safe. God bless. Love thy neighbor. Love those down the street. Love those in your house, of course. 
But most importantly, just love. It's contagious. If you haven't done it lately, try it. It's pretty neat. And again, we'll be back live Thursday night right here on SouthernSportsCentral.com. Guys, God bless. Take care. Until next time, stay safe. Trees younger than the mountains Growing like a breeze